it's like. I mean, they need to get like they need to get sponsored by like like Jurex or something because it's like protection. <laughs> like they're all about protection because yeah. it's always like everyone has to be protected. So we can't. So rather than risk someone getting on TV and taking a loss, they'll just not put them on TV. They just won't. They just won't work because they can't. They don't want people to lose. Certain people to lose, and most people they don't want to lose very often. So it's a very old-fashioned approach to pro wrestling. We're talking, like we're talking like WCW, like worldwide, like yeah. mentality of jobber of the week kind of thing, and and it, what it ultimately leads to is you just have a bunch of people that reach a certain level, but they don't get beyond that level, and it's like everyone sort of just middles out, and so you have a couple of your your real superstar guys, but yeah, the fear of I just think. Not to say, like everyone hates, you know, everyone criticizes New Japan, it's undercards and it's multi-mans, but it's the way to protect guys without having to protect guys. And still like, and still having them in matches and stories and you can yeah. continue to tell stories. Yep, builds and, a story. Yeah, you know, yeah. Then you you're always gonna have your pardon me, your pin eaters and that sort of stuff. And it's the value of having, which I think they should have done from the very, very start. It's the value of having um uh, junior heavyweight division as well is like those guys can eat pins in heavyweight six man yep. tags or eight man tags or whatever you want to do and never like, lose anything. Yeah. You yep. can do that with those guys. And I mean, every faction has their tier of who's the top guy, who's the middle guy and who's the, you know, the Yokata, mid card, low card in your faction. And, uh they can all have their own stories yeah and when they start getting wins like bushi did during the g1 tour you're like what's going on here yeah and you know you can that way you can heat them up at any time by getting them in a tag match to get a pin over a guy who's perceived as being higher than them in the hierarchy yeah so Pretty it's simple value, isn't it? I mean, yeah, it's like it's a long. I mean, there's a reason why they've done it for so long is because shit fucking works. <laughs> yeah, and it's a simple way. Everyone gets work. Everyone gets their spots in, and everyone, you know, people often. And I think it's it's kind of the it's kind of the easiest way to to identify your distinctions in your New Japan fandom in a lot of respects. Because you know, there's no casual wrestling fan that watches New Japan. That casual wrestling fan doesn't exist in the context like. There are there are hardcore casual, you know, like yeah, you're a fan of pro wrestling either of you know American indies or uh, American mainstream pro wrestling or European or whatever. They're you know, fans of pro wrestling, their home promotions, and they will check in on New Japan because they hear the stuff and they know what's going on or whatever. And for them, they're always like, oh, you know, bunch of undercard, six man, multi man, you know, whatever. They want the singles matches, just the singles matches, and it's like. Then there's the New Japan fans who are like, oh, the undercard tag had this really interesting, like, well, that's an interesting pairing. Or look at this, like, you're always looking at undercard tags, looking at who's paired up and trying to figure out where they're going. You know, yeah, what's, the, well, what's happening there? Yeah. Maybe yeah. they're doing a long, like, like for instance, this tour, this Burning uh, burning Spirit tour, it's like, it's no, it's not by accident that Naito and Zach are paired against each other in multi mans of various makeups for the entire tour. So most people look at it and go, well, that's leading to Zach Naito, and then you see Royal Quest, and you're like, oh, that's, you know, 
you can see where it's headed potentially. You sort of read yeah. that. Um, and I was thinking this the other day because when we were looking at um, the stuff coming out with the dog cage um, match, you know, for evil, I think the message for evil ver- House yeah. of Torture versus Chaos in the, the dog cage death match. Um, yeah. And I was like, I was like, oh, the cage is coming out, Dave. It's coming out for real. Yeah. Um, in a no DQ tornado style tag where pins and submissions count as do throwing blokes in cages. And, and I thought, I, I sort of coined a thing in my head of like, if you follow the story, you can get ahead of the story. Mm. Like follow the story. You'll get a, you can, you can get ahead of the story. And I think that's the benefit of those undercards is you get able to follow the story and see where it's going. And it makes it, predictable but not in the same way that i would say the formulaic sort of like i think AEW is you know it's predictable by nature by design it's intentionally predictable like i think you could basically see most of the all-out card weeks and weeks and weeks in advance but they didn't announce them in advance and i was like and people were upset about that but you knew what you're going to get everyone knew where it was headed and new japan has done that forever like they won't announce it because they can't because of the kayfabe reasons behind that the car's like oh we have to wait 10 days until we get announced it but it's like you know what you're getting if you're following along you know what you're getting those those undercard matches too they also allow for unique interactions between pair potentially paired up wrestlers that you wouldn't get if they were just having singles matches all the time mm. like that's one of the, my favorite things to watch about naito is in those matches because he's you know another unique aspect of his personality flourishes to the surface in those you know odd interactions that he has with guys and i saw that with the in the the six man with despy i was like oh i would love to not like night i didn't think of like naito despy yeah yeah oh oh, that sounds juicy and watching their the unique interactions of their interplay and because he fucks around in his own way. Naito does in those six yeah. minutes and it's, it's t-shirt it's Naito. Like this, this run of, um, you know, I'll toss you the, the ice bag. So, and you hit it, <laughs> like we'll play baseball. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's, it's all very charming and yeah, funny. And, they... you know, sends, sends Zach fucking irate. And I love yeah. that. about it. You know, it's great. And it's, it builds the story piece by piece, town by town. And it's, as I said, they're in a lot of matches without taking, sometimes they'll, they'll, they'll strengthen up their pin counts. They've got, you know, the, the guy needs to get a bunch of wins. Like what we're seeing with Hanare at the moment, he's winning a lot of these six mans or eight mans. He's getting the pins. So it's like, he's probably due for something like, yeah, it's just it a really good way. In a nice organic way. And yep. Yeah. Yeah, so like yeah, you you had a you had a you had a, like a signature win at G one, and it's kind of like them saying like we haven't forgotten about you and the work that you've put in. Yeah, and there's you know fuck potentially a feud on the way. Like yeah, great. something's coming. Yeah. Pin a bunch of these juniors because we need you. And it's like it's it goes like we're watching that match and you're like oh Hanare's it's like and you see the the tag he's in it's like well Hanare's winning this match because Hanare yeah. and four juniors in the ring is like well Hanare's winning it and like. And that's, and yeah, that's, it is what it is, but there's, there's stuff to be gleaned from it because ultimately we know the result of it is going to be what it may be, but it's like, well, what, how are they positioning and what they're doing? 
that's the sort of stuff that I think, you know, granted, if you're just watching for the top end matches, you, you're not going to look to, but if you're not, you're watching New Japan for more than just the matches, then those undercards are really important. And I think, um, I, just a piece of advice. I think I, I think if I were AEW, I'd be looking at them as a way of of recognizing the potential to be able to tell stories. Um, but again, whether their audience is interested in that type of storytelling is a completely another discussion, you know. And I, no, I don't think so. No, I don't think they are either. And it's yeah, a completely yeah. different type of t- like TV wrestling, and that's that's fine. Like I said, I, I I've come to the point in my life where I'm very comfortable in saying. Um, that that's a type of wrestling that exists and people like that and i can um watch it but i don't get invested the same level i do as this type of wrestling which i never knew existed as a kid and when i see the format of it i'm like wow that's more so much more aligned with the type of thing that i would watch um so i'm very grateful that it exists um but i still think there are lessons to be learnt from the way that has go and as it goes back all the way to the discussion the top guys got over and got to the level they got to through a system that was designed like that. Mm. So there has to be merit in it, you know? And I think too, it's like there's merit in it as a fan uh, because the more you invest, the more you understand, the more you understand, the more you'll get out of it. Yep. And uh, then like, we, you know, we're talking about Will a couple of weeks ago being the blockbuster wrestler. I, I think there's, a lot of the Western audience isn't looking for nuance. They're looking for the flash, uh, instant gratification. Yep. As opposed to the long build as much as they say they want long-term story. Well, let's be real, Dave. Long-term story is just like a euphemism for not doing what Vince McMahon used to do and blowing up a story two weeks into it. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or the, the night of, yeah, that but that's the idea of like they just want they just want coherent storytelling. Yeah, <laughs> like that long term is like is just like build to the pay per view and everything is leading that way and every and we know where it's going and there's callbacks to the past. Um, I think that's that's ideally what people are looking for. Like the, the this is a generalization, but I think across the sort of the discourse, of course, there are people that are really connected to like the Hangman Elite story that's gone back years and years but that's those are the same people that were following in new japan so they're connected based yeah. on that type of storytelling anyway um but for the modern sort of family they're just looking for coherent storytelling um, which is a very low bar to be honest to clear um so and that's fine i said it's it's, it's as long as it's coherent it's, and you still get flashy stuff and top level stuff yeah as long as it's week to week it's easy enough to follow yeah, yeah that's that's cool that's great but i've I like sitting, I like marinating with ideas. I like marinating with characters and like sitting with it for a while. And these things take time. So week to week um, wrestling is, is, is kind of once you get away from it, it's very, I found it very difficult to get back into it because it's just, it's, it's a rhythm and a pattern that I don't think necessarily aligns with the type of, um, the type of way I would engage with it, you know? Yeah, and too, look, I, I mean, I prefer now the New Japan format of, you know, we have G1, different tournaments through the year for different sort of uh, elements within the company, whether it's junior tags, junior tags, super juniors, 
um, you know, Wrestle Kingdom season, whatever. Fantastic Mania will come back at some point too. Yeah, yeah. The luchas. The the beauty of that is that if you follow throughout the year, you actually get a greater understanding of product as a whole, not just the main eventers or the the heavyweights. You're getting you're getting a full picture of the entire roster and what's going on with each of them and within their own and you know all the guys they get breaks yep. which i think is another great great thing <laughs> um and yeah so i think from like for me from a consumer level um it it's not the same story that you're following every week week in week out it's not the same six times yeah it's not that, know, it's, that same flow yeah yeah you're getting different stuff you know, for maybe a month here, you're getting something and then you go on to something else for another couple of months and then, you, yeah, and then the revisiting things later in the year. I, I like I like that. Otherwise, I, like I find I just, I switch off the week-to-week thing because I just kind of get, if there's nothing really super compelling there week-to-week, then I get kind of bored. Like watching Neighbours or, or, or watching... Yeah, fucking, you know, season of Stranger Things or Cobra Kai or whatever. Like, yeah, give me yeah. fucking ten episodes and then give me something else for a while and then I'll come <laughs> back to that. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's interesting. It's like it allows you to New Japan's model is kind of like it allows you to binge on a division. Yeah. You know, like yeah. you binge exactly watch a division that. and you come yeah, back no. and you go binge watch another one. Other one binge before it was a thing. Yeah, it's like oh yeah, heavyweight binge time. Yeah, super yeah. junior junior binge. We've got to get yeah. some tag binge coming up soon. Yeah, it's it is interesting, isn't it? The way they do it, like you get a tour of the company through their tours. You know, like <laughs> each sort of it's like a buffet as it goes along. And some guys, you know, Naito, the the one madman that will be on every show, is like will not take a break, be there for everything. But um, but you're right. Like I I think that model is just a little bit for me a little bit easier to digest because you, you get time to sort of chew your food, you know. Yeah. Um, and I just think that that's and it's not a like I said not a criticism on the format, just a realization of another way to do it that I freely admit would not work in a Western distribution model. It just wouldn't work. It yeah. just it just it just couldn't work. But it is not that different from how sport would run with seasons or how ufc would run with building to main shows and having sort of sporadic shows around you know it's not that it's not possible it's just that no one is willing to give that a go yeah well i mean even i mean even the ufc now they they do the exact same thing like we're talking about they have their main their main shows they have their mid-tier shows Yep. And and you know with contender series and stuff they have like their entry level stuff. Yeah. So yeah, you get a broader understanding of the entire like across the entire cross section of the roster. If you want to follow that, you don't. Yeah, you, it doesn't. Have, you don't have to wait month to month. You can watch. There's always content. And I and I like that about New Japan. There's always content, but it's 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 always a bit different it's like mm. something different to look forward to and then you know you get to revisit your favorite guys again in a month or so i like it. yeah and now with the international expansion it's like yeah yeah it's strong now and then yeah potentially the aussie new zealand connection that's 
Yeah, and it's like, oh, we look forward to Royal Quest, which will be done differently. And then stardom, far out, there's going to be so much to watch. <laughs> oh, well, I, it would be a miss if... Uh... I didn't say just when you thought we were done, it's time for fun. Oh, and we've welcome to We Work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm Dave. Yes, I'm I'm Josh. Yes, thank you. Yeah, that's thanks, Red. That's yes, Redly missing in action. Uh, as I said, it's it's a it's a shame because this week he got a question basically. Just double barrel, pure pizza power, double barreled question straight into the pocket for Red about looking like which eras of New Japan pro wrestling were interesting. We will get to that. We will get to that question when Red returns from his COVID isolation. Uh, and uh, yeah, we'll get to that. I'm, I'm excited to see. Red's got a week. He'll probably watch about 8,000 Oh, my matches. God. How much wrestling he's going to watch? <laughs> he's going to come in with, I watched uh, stuff from the... Yeah, I watched from every era. Yeah, yeah, I've watched Naito's entire career. <laughs> yeah, I've watched the entire arc, <laughs> and I believe, yeah, I think it'll be really fascinating. It'll be exciting, and and people will look forward to that. But we will do our best as the two man tripod, the yeah. duo pod, uh, yeah. to to try and get some level of approximation to keep this thing going, Dave. Because this brand that we've built here, it's just it's just consistency. Uh, it's built on consistency. Yeah, we've got to keep on rolling. The show must yeah. go on. The show must go on. Yeah. So as a consequence, uh, listeners are stuck with us. But that could mean that that that's that's that. So listen to that. That's dangerous because now there is no structure. Now there is no one. <laughs> well, we are in our element. <laughs> yes. Be, be prepared. This could get weird. Remember last week we were talking, Dave. We we're talking about. Um, I thought last week's episode was actually kind of interesting and kind of revealing. Uh, we had a little discussion and had this sort of thing where we started to realize sort of the distinction we were trying to figure out about how, you know, origins of character, origins of, you know, um, the wrestler yeah. and the character being the key thing, the character being the the focal point of any story-driven stuff that it's not so much the grand arcing narrative that's the key, it's the character that's the investment into. Yeah. It was such an interesting sort of revelation because like, oh, that's right. That's the difference. Like, that's really the difference is that from a booking philosophy standpoint, it's like one approach is to build layers to the character through action and in interaction. Mm. And the other one is to, use characters in service of interactions to build a story story that you want to tell yeah and it feels like for a long time uh western pro wrestling has been driven by story we want to tell this story we want to tell mm. this thing and not to say that in new japan in particular hasn't been driven by story it has but it's story of a character <laughs> like the story of the individual. That seems to be the focus. Like Naito's long story is a story of Naito. It's 
Whereas, and then, you know, his interactions with, say, Tanahashi or Okada or whatever, they just further inform and develop the character of Naito. Yes. And yeah. not to not to diminish, I'm not having a shot here, but I'm just recognizing it is very clear that AEW were building a have been building a long-term story of MJF and Punk. Mm. Very clear. A rivalry, a story of rivals that is obviously gone up in a flame of glory and muffins, you know, like it's just it's just <laughs> gone. <laughs> and oh Millie's muffins. Yes, she's doing great out of it. Uh, five stars. The only five star <laughs> rating out of all that. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Um but <laughs> sorry, that got me. That's okay. Baked goods. Yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh and but that's the situation. So they have to pivot and they'll pivot and they'll find a way. And the idea is they're pivoting to MJF is WWE bound kind of story. Mm. And it's like, and it's a little lesson of focus on the character and their interaction as being a part of the development of the character, the progression of the character and focus less on the actual relationship being the key part that can service the character, but the character has to be the focus, always be the focus. Um, and I think that that allows you to have variable, like it allows for variables and things to change and things to happen and things to people drop in and drop out on a on a dime easily enough. Like yeah. there's no doubt that Naito and Okada are linked and they are always linked and they'll always come back and that story is always going to be told and they have that connection, that rivalry, whatever it is. But Naito doesn't need Okada to grow himself, to grow his key. He'll find ways to move through it. It doesn't have to be locked in for a program. Oh, if a Carter drops out, we can replace somebody. And because we're what we're trying to do is build a different layer to this character. We're just focusing on the goal is get that character to a, this level that we need them to be able to tell a story that we want to tell. And the, by the time we get that character, that level, the story will be telling itself. Yeah. But that's kind of the, the dub, the 4d chess that's being played. And I, and I was thinking about it. It's like it's a really complicated and nuanced area to sort of wade in. It's very hard to articulate it in a lot of respects because yeah. there's not a great distinction between the two things. But it's it comes down to, I think it's more be easily applied in practice where it's like, well, if you're writing this, what do you start with? Are you starting with the ending of the story, or you're starting with the motivation of the character? And it didn't really hit me. Until I realized how, how, until I watched, and I will, I'm going to go into it. It's a big point. I, I highly recommend. It's my, um, my big recommendation. Uh, Taka Taichi Despi Mania, which was on greatest pay per view uh, name of all time. Yeah, I'm thinking. So they've they've run a few of them, and they're always good. Uh, this is this is from the same um company that brought us, uh, Taichi versus Doki, which was uh, just a earlier this year was just an absolute emotional roller coaster. It was so great. It was so great. It was it was Tai Chi beating the absolute shit out of Doki <laughs> and Doki just trying to earn this respect of both Tai Chi and everyone and Tai Chi saying, You already had my respect, you loser. Like just a brilliant <laughs> moment of love and um just so great. So great. Tai Chi trying to beat 
confidence into Doki. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> I love the logic there. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's <laughs> makes sense. From yeah. from the sounds, man from the sounds yeah. like yeah it sounds like that might have been beaten into him. <laughs> yeah, it was a Kawada <laughs> lesson. Yeah, it was a Kawada lesson. Yeah, uh, but it's and so from they they're always good, but this one had cheering crowd, so that obviously changed it. Yeah, and it had El Desperado versus June Kasai in a death match as the main event. And I was on the fence whether I was going to purchase this thing, but I sort of come had came home and I was just like a little bit tired. I was like ah. Oh, I was going to watch a movie or something. I'm like, oh, no, this is, I'm like. <laughs> like Jim Kasai's like, back is a horror movie, so. Yeah, yeah. It's a map to his heart. Um, <laughs> but I do, I I was like, oh, do I do that? Do I do? And I just got onto a Discord and people were just started the, the first match and were sort of like, oh, this is great. I was like, ah, oh, I, I can't do it. I want to see death. I want to see Deathmatch Despy live, like in the moment yeah, with yeah. a bunch of freaks that are watching at the same time. And like I went through and the warning is like the warning on the pay-per-view is like beware of like blood and gore. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, the sickos are out. Yeah. And it's like this could get, I mean, and the, the, the pay-per-view had a the the show had a great, it had great stuff on it. Legit great stuff. There was Taka's 30th anniversary with Sasuke was there and Dick Togo had his working boots on. You had the 20th anniversary of Tai Chi and Goto and um uh, was it Yoshitatsu from all Japan and uh Taguchi was there with his pants around his ankles yeah. um and so that was lovely but it was all building this main event and I'll get to the main event and I'll explain why it is now uh it's my match of the year it's my match oh. of the year I'm oh. I'll explain why um but what I realized was this is not a new Japan show like it yeah. clearly isn't like the boys are having Taichi's match they spent the first 12 minutes doing a peck dance thing with all different variations of the peck dance <laughs> Taguchi Taguchi was doing um he was doing the Jenny Craig before and after spots where he was doing like a bit where he just released all his thing and then he then he like, sucked it back in yeah yeah, yeah. then sucked it in. it was it was some amazing stuff Sonata wasn't on the show was he no they didn't they didn't get Sonata they they tr- the crowd was trying to get Goto to do the peck pops like they yeah. were so keen for Goto to get involved he did not um <laughs> But it was, uh, so it was it was a, just a like an independent show. It was, it was so interesting to watch, like this, um, booked by Taka and Taichi and Despi, and um, I think I'm I, I'm not kidding. They've they've booked like four or five shows, and they've all been like show of the year level shows. They're all great. Right. So it's like somebody give them the book. Like yeah, it's yeah. there's the progression. Taichi of the book, please. Um, but it is interesting. Um, to see that they are outside of their promotion where there are no, um, I mean, there's, they're doing what they're doing. However, they are still them. They are still their character and they're still doing work in service of that. And that's the, that was the real kicker where it's like, they understand the assignment, you know, like they understand the point, like, the story of what Despy is doing is a story of himself. And he is, he is freely admitting that he has to go and fight Junka Sai to help build himself to where he needs to be as part of his new Japan journey. That level that he wants to be in. To be the guy he wants to be, he has to go this way. And we'll get into the reasons and the rationale and the, the story of the match and everything. But it is a, it is a really interesting position to see where it's like, we talked about it a bit with Mox. 
remember we talked about New Japan mocks and how we I mean we love New Japan mocks. Yeah. And yeah. for people that watch New Japan, obviously, mocks is just the best. And well, that presentation of him is so good. Yeah. And obviously he can't be the full version of that. I think he's done a, a I think he's the MVP of pro wrestling at this point. Like he's the yeah. He's the lunch pail kid. Like he just packs, he gets his packs his lunch and goes to work every day. Yeah, I was hard on him maybe a couple of months ago, but far out. Like he is literally the Tanahashi of that company at the moment, and uh, they are going through their own version of a Dark Ages. <laughs> yeah, and, and he will lead them out and just just put put the company on Mox's back for now. You want some stability, rebuild yep. all those bridges with all those other companies. Yeah. Yeah, let Mox do his thing and 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 he'll see you through. You'll be fine. And he called himself that. He called himself the ace. Yeah. And it's like, I love Mox because he always finds new and exciting ways to embed Japanese pro wrestling culture into yeah. AEW. I, yeah. Like, he'll find different ways to s- just sink it in. Like, when you're the man, when you're the ace, it's like, okay, Mox. Yeah. Uh, and and I always liked how he was adopting yeah. Box makes it makes it cool to be a wrestling nerd because yeah because he cool is one wrestling nerd <laughs> yeah he's he's this generation's Austin yeah yeah absolutely. you know because like Austin's a dork as well like getting photos of Tanahashi <laughs> like you're right but it also makes he makes wrestling cool he makes yeah. it by his presence and his charisma and what who he is and what he does and but he still can't be the full mocks that we get to see at either a GCW show or at a, or a new Japan show. He's, he's getting really good at bringing it across, but we all know that he's got to work within the constraints and that's fine. Yeah. And he's finding, finding different ways to do that, but it's always like, and he's, and he's still propelling that story. And I think that's good. I think he's finding ways to do it, but there's still distinctions. I would still love for them to reference Shoda because on, and the reason for that is, if it was the other way around and we see it, if it was on New Japan, they would reference the 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 uh the BCC. Mm. Right. They would reference Regal and they'd reference his connections with Danielson. They'd reference those guys. And it's like you want more of that reference just to just to recognize that they're the character is 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 in essence bigger than the brand. Like the character yeah. exists outside of the brand. Uh, AEW has done a tremendous job of recognizing the universe that is pro wrestling, but still there's a way to go if they want to elevate characters above the brand. And I can understand why they don't want to do it, given the aspect of what's happened this past couple of weeks, where mm. if you elevate a character too high and put them on a pedestal, they become more powerful than the brand, and that can be dangerous. And But that's the case in any context. The same thing happened in, in, in New Japan with Kota Ibushi. Same yeah. thing happened. It's just you didn't give him a live mic. Um, that could have been dangerous, right? There's no press conference for Coda to come up and, you know, <laughs> imagine if he said that on a live mic. Jeez. <laughs> Jeez <laughs> you, want to, you, want to, you want to talk about yeah, it? You might have started a war. I think that I, I don't think I know. I prefer for the characters to have agency, to be in control of their own narratives. Mm. And, I don't want to say that makes me sound like EC3 or whatever, but it's true. And it's it's the frustration that people had in the Fed system is they weren't in control of their character. They had no agency. So they were being told what to do. They were being given scripts and they were told what to say and do. And AEW is a heap better than that, a heap better. But there is to still, to some extent, 
a, a level of control over their directions. And that's the case in any pro wrestling context. But there seems to be this extra level of freedom that I can't quite put my finger on exactly what it is, but it seems that the wrestlers really enjoy working in New Japan because they have some level of extra freedom to be who they are and what they want to do and craft it the way they want to craft it and do what they want to do. And I mean, Mox said as much when he wrestled Juice saying how, how weird he felt being in a ring where there's nothing but silence in the ring, you know, yeah. like no yeah. one telling him anything. No, no, the refs <clears> don't say anything. Nothing. There's nothing. You're in control. He was told, uh, was it famously told 12, 15, they went like 22. And it's like, <laughs> it's like they're, they're, they're in control of it and they have to negotiate it with people. And the, you know, that's their whole thing. It's a, it's a bit more onus on the individual. And so I'll go say all this to get to the roundabout point of you look at what Des eldest brother did this week and the story that he has told with June Kasai and the match that he had, the backstage promos, the after everything about the match, everything, everything leading to it after it, it was like his masterpiece. It was like his, it was, the culmination of so much story that had happened across multiple promotions, multiple promotions over years and years and years and years. And that kind of long-term story where the individual is the one telling it, like he's crafting it himself. I think, I think he's basically building it, but with a vision to what the long-term play is in relation to his spot in new Japan and where he's headed. So he has some idea, obviously, about where they want him to go and what they want him to do, but he's got the capacity to be able to filter in all these other aspects on the side and outside to in further enrich his character and his story. And he's found a way to go outside of the system that he currently exists in to create something that's going to propel him even further in the system in which he exists. It's a, it's such a different way. It'd be like what Mox has done in GCW, having a way to then find its way back. Mm, mm. I just haven't seen it with such clarity until I was watching this with Despy and realizing what was happening. Cause it felt, I watched Takataichi Despy mania and it was like watching all in. Mm. It's what it felt like. It was this produced by the guys at the end of it. They're all coming up and like having jokes about when's the next one. What are we doing? Who's like, we're putting this on. It's like run by them. 2000 people are in the, the stands cheering, going nuts for them. Yeah. And they thank the person who gave him the mat. Yeah. Roland cradle, the, the sponsor that does all the great design work for his t-shirts and stuff. And it's like, it felt organic. It felt like it was their thing. And Despy's like, thank you for giving me the main event. And the guy's looking at him like, uh, you're the main oh, event, but <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Uh, but this, this kind of sense of, the whole thing, the entirety of the thing is feeds into the character and Suzuki Gun. And they're like, I, for people that, that don't know out there, so Eldest Barado is such a, is such an interesting case as a character study. He's a, I really don't know how you best describe El, He's got a, he's got, a, he's got a story that's not dissimilar to what we talked about last week with Naito in terms of a guy who came back. In, was pushed in a very prominent position. Like he, his first night back, he came back at Wrestle Kingdom to walk out after a match and to challenge Kota Ibushi. 
that's a pretty prominent spot to be given. Um, he had gone, he'd been in Mexico, but he had this on like, it didn't take like he, and he was not, he was, he was struggling to find where he was going to fit. And he ended up finding himself in the, you know, the Island of Misfit Toys at his Suzuki gun where he was going to get stretched. And he was the, he was the lowest member of that group, you know, and, and he was constantly having to fight for his spot and constantly had to justify his position in that, in that group as this sort of outcast outsider thing almost babysat first by Suzuki and then by Kenamaru. And obviously then they went to Noah, you know, when Suzuki gone got this, got expelled from, from new Japan, went and ran rush shot over Noah. And there he's sort of developing his confidence and building himself up. But even still he's, he's not, he's, he's always seen as like the lowest guy in the group and trying to prove his worth. But over time through working in that tag team, you know, building his, his, uh, you know the the room like the stories would always be before every match it'd be him and Suzuki rolling in the ring that was always the story that he was Suzuki's partner for Suzuki to get warmed up and mm. like he would get stretched for like an hour you know that was like the story and so he just had this long term thing about poor Despi you know like when's Despi going to get his moment and he had this he has this charisma that people just you know people just respond to so strongly you know, and he came through that same, you know, that class you talked about last week of evil and Hiromu. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's where Despi is too. He's got that, yeah, that insane aesthetic that it is, yeah, it's very cool. Uh, it's kind of like a, it's almost like it looks to me now like Japanese-Mexican hybrid. Um, Which is what he was always supposed to be. He was supposed to be both. You know how Hiromu always talks about wanting the main event, the dome? Yeah. Can't do that on your own. No. So maybe you have to tell a story with another guy over a long enough period of time uh, and get yourself to a level. Mm. And then the other guy's got to get himself to that same level before you can do that. Yep. And I think for so long, Hiromi wanted that to be Dragon Lee. Like he wanted, that was the... Yeah, it's not, not going to be Dragon It's Lee. not going to be him because yeah. for the same reasons we talked about Andrade is not coming through the forbidden door. Like it's not going to be that. They're not going to tell that and they're not going to... They were going to invest at one time. I mean, Dragon Lee's an amazing wrestler, but he's not have the charisma on the same level as Despy. No, and well, that's and that's no slight on Dragon Lee. It's just that's the reality. Uh, not many people do. And I mean, the, the only the only guy that can that has uh, comparable charisma to Hiromu now is Despi. Yeah, yeah, they're and they're and it's not like they're not paired up, and it's not yeah. like there's not the potential for that to to be the long term play. And I think it has to be the long term play because I think, and it was declared in after that match, and I'll explain a bit about the match. But after that match, Despi did declare, you know, like I'm going to win that super junior i'm going to take back my belt it's like it's he's got this confidence now where it's like that's my division like i don't care what anybody says or does like i'm the guy and i and i i uh i watched this and i have a really interesting take on that too dave because i think that if they were to main event the dome it i mean that's a that's your you know i think they can i can put it this way i could see them semi-main eventing very shortly they yeah. have that kind of potential, but it would be with D 
Despy as the face. Yeah. As the and I don't mean Hiro has to be a heel, but it means that Despy has to be for Despy's character to work at the optimum level. He is the best. I I I after watching this Junkasai match, I'm willing to say he is the best babyface in peril that I've I, that I've seen in a lot. He's got he had he has the potential to be a mega star, and it wasn't. I've always believed in Despy, but in this match, the story of this match and the way the crowd and the way that the connection and the heat and the atmosphere. And the story they told, it's so simple. It's such a simple story of Despy basically saying, Despy before the match saying, I don't care whether I live or die. I'm going to go in there and give everything I got. Like that was his sort of story. I'm giving every, I'll leave everything in the ring. Yeah. So he's building this, this story of this, this almost bravado of this, like I'm talking myself up as much as I can. I'm, I believe I have to take this guy on. I have to do this. It, it's it's a compulsion. It's in Despy's belief that this is his idol. This is his mm. the person who he sees as what pro wrestling should be and what it can be. And he looks up to him and and wants to face him and see where he's at, you know, and to prove that he belongs at this level. But being freely acknowledging that this is a this is a different monster. This is a different thing, and I have to be willing to do everything I can and, and talking himself up in a lot of respects to die in a death match. Yeah. I, I'm yeah, I'm prepared to do that. And he's going there with that belief that I, I'm willing to put it all on the line to, to 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 prove something to myself or whatever. And he goes out there and he comes out all in white. So you know, oh shit, there's gonna be some blood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like and he but he comes out and it's like this the the pop he gets when he walks through the doors and there's no, there's no, like the beautiful thing about the independent kind of promotion presentation. There's no pomp and circumstance. It's just music plays out your walk, son, and the pop as he comes through of his guitar walking and and there's this sense in the arena of like trying to almost hype the man up of like let's get behind Despy, let's get behind him. He gets in the ring and he's waiting for Junka Sai. His music's playing and Despy's like fucking rocking out to it, like hyping himself up, like getting psyched for this moment. And then it sort of starts and Despy sort of just gets the shit kicked out of him. Like immediately he's getting, he gets dragged out into deep water instantly. Like there's like, I, for people out there, like I, I'm not a death match, like avid death match watcher. I have watched a, a few, I've watched plenty. Like I've seen some on GCW and stuff and I've seen some, some yeah, death matches. Some on beyond. And yeah, yeah, I've seen some stuff that have been, been put on independent pro wrestling and stuff. But this is a, this, if you want to, like, I honestly recommend for people that have never watched a death match, this might be, I don't know if it's, I don't know where it rates in the death match art form, but my God, it's a, it's a perfect pro wrestling match. And it, if, if you've never seen a death match, I, I highly recommend it as a way to get into it because it's, it starts off violent. I won't, I won't deny the violence. It is, there's knives, like, there's knives and forks. And I'm like, holy shit. And Despy is getting, he's getting mass transited to start with, basically. Oh, yes, he's just getting the knife to the top of the head. And it's just like, oh my God. And he's getting brutalized. The mask comes off within a couple of minutes. And he's just getting brutalized, just brutalized and beaten up and baby face simpy through the roof to the extent where he's about to get back 
dropped onto a um, a bed of knives. Oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. And as he goes up and over, the crowd, and it's such an interesting reaction, Dave, because this is about the the what pro wrestling can be, right? What it what it has the potential to be is you can have all the great flips and all the great high spots and all the great stuff. And this match has a couple of insane high spots because Despy's in it. But and he loves doing ridiculous shit. But ultimately, it's about emotion and feeling and mm. and generating a range of emotions and taking you on a, a journey of emotion. And the crowd, what you can see, and you look at when you look at Jun Kasai and you look at his back, and you look at his arms, you look at his head, you look at you just look at him. You're like the if a you know the man is a his body is telling stories, you know, <laughs> for days. Yeah. Like, but and you look at the you know, the the virgin back of Despy of his minor, a couple of little can cuts from his mox match, you know, these little tiny little nicks. And you just have this, you just have this beautiful contrast between these characters visually. So, you know, one of these guys is not, is, is his back. Not like the other. <laughs> yeah. But the, the idea of it is like the Kruger back of him is like, you're not concerned about him at the same level you are of Despy. It's almost like, yeah. It's almost like spilling, you know, it's like spilling red wine on the carpet, on fresh carpet. Like you don't want to ruin the fresh carpet, whereas it got stains or cut builders like fucking throw it. It's okay. That's already stained. What's another stain? And so that there's this like emotional connection as the fans are watching and they're like, and as soon as he's lifted up, the crowd's like, no, like not him. (laughs) It's like not (laughs) our Despy. And so you've got this inbuilt just because of the construction and the, the the structure of the match, the, the sheer nature of the match, the conventions of the match, you already have an inbuilt story. Yeah. Easy, straight away. But it plays into the grander narrative. And this is what I was sort of getting at in terms of what makes a great match for me is when the in-ring storytelling and the structure of the match fits in with the macro of the match. Every little thing in the match connects to the bigger picture of the longer-term story. They they There's a symbiosis between the two things at the same time. That's high art. When it's happening at the same time, it's like, my God, this is like, it's even better than sort of cinema. It's like, it's like great television, you know, like a, like a standalone episode of something like, you know, Breaking Bad or The Wire or something where it's like the, the, the small term things like a, my favorite episode of the Breaking Bad, Breaking Bad is like the fly episode, which is a pointless, it's like highly, people don't like it, but like a fly is flying around the, the, where they're cooking for the whole thing. They're just trying to kill this one fly. But yeah. in that story of them doing that is all these interpersonal relationships that are playing out that are telling a much broader, they're reflecting much larger on the broader narrative. So it's like, I like when simple thing in the context of a short term speaks to the bigger thing. And so Despy's in this situation where he wants, like we know he wants scars. We know he wants to get in that match to his fullest. He wants to be, in a death match, doing this stuff. We know he wants it. But even in the moment, you're like, oh, no, we don't want to see it for him. We know he wants it, but we don't want it for him. You know, we, we want to protect him. <laughs> so he goes over the back. Protect him from himself. Yeah. Yeah. We try to protect our poor, beloved Despy. Don't do it to yourself. And then he backdrops Kasai onto it and starts driving his head into it, which is even crazier. <laughs> but, but nonetheless... They go through this whole first part of the match and it's all Despy going through this and he cops everything. I mean, he cops everything. If you think of it, Despy cops it. He goes through, 
He gets stuck in barbed wire to start with. He goes, he got the knife. He goes, he gets, he gets, uh, he gets power bombed from the top rope onto a, the thing of cans, just power bomb yeah. straight down. He then goes, he then gets, gets a, a, a board of razor blades put on him. And then Kasai does a splash through it onto Despi. Boards of razor blades. It's insane. It's insane. But when you, when I describe it, it sounds brutal. But when you're watching it, you're just so into it. It's like yeah. they're these things like, oh, oh, they're visceral. They're so visceral that you're just connected at a level that you can't really can't really explain. So that all goes through. And Despi just keeps kicking out, like just. But mm. he's just like you're getting, you're getting pinned. And then Kasai does his big finishing spot where he does the the big because uh, I by the way Junka Sai is fucking awesome I haven't watched yeah. anything but he moves around the ring like a madman and I love it like I mean he does there is no wasted motion like he puts them <laughs> down and he just takes off it's like everything the crazy monkey is the nickname and it is a perfect description of the man like at one point he sees Doki getting close to the ring he runs over and kicks him like it's just like it's <laughs> frantic it's this it's just it's it's an energy. He brings an energy to the to the match, and so you have this sort of frantic manic pace versus Despi, who we know is this very assured wrestler. Like that's how I always think of yeah, Despi. Yeah, like methodical. Yeah. Yes, incredibly methodical. He sets things up. He's he's come from that Suzuki school. He he's always thinking two steps ahead, um, but he's also got that underlying passion and drive that sort of that fire that burns. We've got this beautiful contrast in himself. But he's like waiting, so he's like he's like trying to bait Drew Kasai into these things to try to work him around. But Kasai, I love him. He gets to the top rope and he puts on his goggles when he does his flight. He puts his goggles on to jump through the. <laughs> it's just so, it's great. I I I just think he's awesome. I I hope he has, I hope all good things for Drew Kasai. I hope he gets another big payday somewhere doing stuff because he he's a he's an awesome, just an all like a great experience. I love discovering someone that I've heard all this stuff about and then get to yeah, see him. You're yeah. like. Like man, you're you're so good. But I then the the post show interview with him, and uh, he was saying, "Oh, I feel like I'll reach my prime in ten years. <laughs> I'm forty eight <laughs> years old. I'll reach my prime in about ten years time. So there's a lot. There's a lot to go for me. Because <laughs> yeah, he under he gets it. He's yeah. getting he gets pro wrestling. He gets it because like this match." So, but it turns because at some point, Kasai hits him with everything, hits him with this finishing thing, and Despi then kicks out at one, and he fires up. And when Despi fires up, he starts to bring that methodical style to the death match. He starts to bring the pro wrestling to it, and he starts to like compete. He he competes. He fights back, and once he starts fighting back, when I tell you the crowd gets behind El, El Desperado, I haven't seen it. It's it it must have been what it was like to be like to hear those stories of like the territory baby faces, you know, when the when the underdog was in peril and fighting from underneath. He was so compelling as this yeah, guy probably, who was probably why um uh the rock and roll express got so over over that period. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They're always in peril and yeah. Bleeding and like calling to the crowd to help them. And it was just this thing of like he is fighting and scrapping and clawing and all, and we know what it means to him. We know what he's trying to achieve. We know it's more than just a match. We know what the stakes are at, and we know what he's willing to do. We know what he's willing to do, what he's willing to sacrifice. And it's this idea of 
for what service for where it's going to to prove himself to his idol and this this story that's playing out in front of our eyes is just this this situation where it goes from everything he's had to do in his life everything he's had to do in his career all of it is playing out in front of our eyes as he is had this as he starts with all the bravado and all the pre- comes out in the exact same white with the with the guitar as he did back all those years ago of Kodobushi, only to get immediately sidewiped and realize that he's in deep water and he's going in this deep water for half the match. He's just, he's out in, he's Junkasai has taken him out to the deep the same way that when he was with Suzuki Gun, that he was taken to the deep water, but halfway through it, Despi realizes, Oh fuck, I can swim. Like, Holy shit. I can do this. This is, I'm actually belong here. And not just I belong here, but I belong here doing it my way. I don't have to just be him. I have to be me versus him. And he brings all of his shit in, all the stuff he's learned from the boys that at Suzuki Gun. He's bringing in his like pinche locos and he's doing his like, he's doing all his shit. And it's sort of like, holy, it's coming. It's a, it's a comeback for the ages. And then they start fucking shoot headbutting each other. <laughs> like, like legit, like actual shoot headbutts. I'm like, oh, Jesus, wow. Despy. Yeah. The, the the sound of thuds that I had thought I had once had I thought had left <laughs> had returned the Shibata thumps had returned. Oh, no. Yeah, I was like, oh uh which is it makes it it makes everything better when we get to the post match. But the idea of like they're just going at each other back to back and then Junkasai kisses him at, at some point, almost like kiss of death, like this love that they're experiencing, only for Despi to return the favor. And beat him with his finishing move, like, and I hope Despy adopts it. I hope he yeah. adopts like a, a double arm underhook pile driver, like a cradle pile driver. Oh, cool. Yeah, so it's not that dissimilar to the pinche loco, so it fits. Um, same way that Despy adopted the punch after he wrestled Junkasai last time, and Kasai broke his jaw um, on that punch, and it was like, but it felt like this was something different. It felt like in the past those stories were about like him just having these matches about you know, trying to prove something to his idol. But this one was about trying to show that he is something more than what he was before, something more than he even believes himself to be. And he ends up coming back, fighting against the odds and coming back to beat Jun Kasai. And it's the crowd just erupt. Like, it's like, holy shit. We have seen something we very rarely see where it was a traditional setup like not that dissimilar like a, the the one guy takes all the match and then the other guy gets the comeback yeah. but the construction of it and the layers of it where we know what each move and what each moment means for desperado in his search for validation or or or, or the respect of his idol and then you see what happens at the end and we and I I highly recommend it I'll put the links in the show description um, the the post match where at it was I, at the end of the match I am literally like telling everybody that I'm on the on Twitter and I'm like fucking watch this thing holy shit I have experienced things that I have not experienced watching pro wrestling ever it was and I, I don't know whether it will translate when it's not live when it's live it has this this feel of danger like there's just there's a there's an extra level of of something in the air because it's anything can happen. It's so yeah, wild yeah, yeah. Yeah. that it, that it, that it adds that level of tension that you just can't replicate once you sort of know the result or, you know, yeah, well, you know that everyone was, is safe. 
yeah. no one's died. Yeah. Yeah. And and when you're watching it, like that's not guaranteed. You know? Yeah. yeah. And, and so that that element of like this part of me is like, oh man, is this like you think is it exploitative? Like you get into all these discussions around like pro wrestling and violence. Yeah. Am I actually a deathmatch fan? <laughs> it has to be live. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like what is what what does that say about me? But it was more like understanding again the conventions of the match type and how it can further the story like that was what i thought was really interesting it's like that's the perfect use of pro wrestling is like the match is just a is just a way to articulate all of the nuances of the character in front of our eyes like right in front of us like if you're struggling to figure out who desperado is just watch the match it's there it's out it's playing out in front of your eyes and so you get this great crash course in desperado you get this great crash course in June Kasai, and you get a great crash course in deathmatch wrestling all in one shot. So it leads to the end of that. Despy's overcome this stuff. It's like, oh man, I'm like, I'm like getting a towel, wiping off the sweat, trying to like, uh, I'm like trying to find other people. Like, can you believe what we just saw? I'm hoping, I'm like over exaggerating. I'm like saying, give the man, I'm like, give him the heavyweight title. I'm like, I'm like losing my <laughs> shit. I'm like, give him everything. Like, give yeah. him a push, give him something. And and then we thought I watched the post match live, like just watching it without the translation or whatever. And it just there's some level of emotion, like wow, this feels special. <laughs> like mm. this feels like it's special. Despy's crying, Junka Sai starts bawling, and you're just like, there's it's just lads being lads, just sitting there, dudes being dudes. I'm like, this is a loving of the great. Like this is something yeah. that you just can't. This is real. This feels so real. I don't know if it. I don't know what's happening, but it feels real. Then he then he whips out the flower and oh, the same yeah. flower you gave me all that time ago and like yeah yeah. And so you've got, but then so then today this morning I check out the translation as it comes through, and the beginning part is like the respect of yeah. I just want I respect you like I've earned your respect. What a great cap off to the story perfect i said that was it perfect and then we get to match the year because this is like this is why how matches work for me it ain't just the match it's the it's the entrances and it's the post match it's the promos it's all in the comp all that exists in the universe of that match yeah the entire work of art yep the entire presentation It's, it's all part of it and so so I'm like, oh, that's that was great. I was like, that was a transcendent performance. I'm like, that's great. And I'm like, I'm going to really put that on my list of things. I I, I won't forget that match. And then Junkasai proceeds, as I said, watching the thing. Then I figure out what he was actually saying when he was bawling. And it's like, that's the greatest. That's This is one of the best matches I've ever seen in my life because he starts to go in about El Desperado before the match, tweeting about it, talking about it, saying he's willing to die in the ring mm. and saying... You fool, calling him a fool, saying you've got all of these things. Look at what you've look at what you've built. Look at what you your your division at New Japan Pro Wrestling, the juniors. You are the top of that. You are the man. You have got such a great spot. You have earned all of this in your life, and you're willing to throw it away. You fool. Hmm. He's scolding him whilst crying, and then talking about the the role of a death match and the role of us as wrestlers is not to go out to die. We recognize it as a threat, but we are going out here to live and you need to wrestle to live. And Despy taking that lesson, like learning that lesson and going, 
realizing, holy shit, I'm not the I'm not the guy I once was. I'm not the young battler underdog guy that doesn't have it. I am the guy. Mm. So what motivates me to wrestle is not to try to prove myself to 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 prove myself as for whatever that point is to prove that I belong. I belong. I'm in the main of I belong. I have to wrestle to live. That change in Despy's character is like, holy yeah, shit, he's going super Thaian. Yeah. Like this is the next layer. This is Despy's Despy's a whole new man. And he's saying, I'm going to win the best super juniors. I'm going to win my belt back. And I fucking believe him. And it's like, we've been saying it should have been Despy's year. Nah, son. Nah. Next year's Despy's year because this time Despy brings the full gambit of Despy. He's going to the best of super juniors to fucking live. And yeah. I cannot, I cannot wait for it. That's pretty cool. It's a cool story, isn't it? Like, yeah. Like he's it going there not with any chance to, not trying to prove himself. That part of Despy is gone because he knows who he is now. Mm. He's going to affirm who he is and to wrestle for the sake of it. There's the truest form of it. He's going out there to live. I just think that's like, after that, I was like, yep, yeah, I'm done. I'm like, yep, I'm done. <laughs> that was perfect. I just said that yeah. was perfect. The story of that, the the direction of that, and where it leads him to now. You said like you wanted to main event, like him and Hiromu have that in common, you know, where it's like Hiromu risked it all, literally. Mm. And it's like he Hiromu understands the value of life and the value of wrestling. He understands it. And Despy does Despy now does too. And so the idea is not about taking any of it for granted. And Drew Kasai is scolding him, telling him. You live like listen here, Sonny Boy. Like he's it's like a veteran, it's a it's a leader. It's a it's a it's like master apprentice thing happening in front of us where he's just teaching him a lesson. And we got to we all got to sit on it. it felt it felt like we were sitting in, in the back. Like it felt like yeah. they were just we weren't supposed to see that from Drew Kasai, who just decided I'm fucking telling you out in front of everyone because you need to know it. And Despy crying and nodding his head and sort of saying, Yep. Thank you. And then Despy finishing off in true Despy fashion, cracking jokes. But it was it was lovely. It was just a lovely moment of realizing that he's a main eventer and he doesn't have to prove it anymore. He doesn't have to it's not worth dying over because he doesn't it's not there's no there's nothing left for him to prove in that sense other than to just be El Desperado. And I just think it's it's so tied into that Hiromu story. It's so tied into the idea of him being himself and being affirmed as himself and having confidence in himself. And even even referenced about the Ta- the Takataichi Despi manias about when the first one happened, he was wrestling Azuka for uh for his right to be in Suzuki Gun. Like mm. had he lost, he'd be he'd be banished from Suzuki Gun. And he's like, thank thank God I won. You know, thank God I was able to stay in here. It's like that's all playing out in front of our eyes. It's like he had to battle his way to get to this spot. He's now realized like it's all worth it. And I'm here now and I've conquered the everything that I wanted to. That was his that's I'm honestly, I believe that's his like for him, that was his biggest moment in his career, that match. Like he was he was euphoric. We were all euphoric. It was it was like watching a man just transcend. It was something. It was something to behold. And I, as I said, I I, I hope I haven't uh, I haven't over exaggerated, overhyped it. But it was for me. <laughs> for me, it's like that's the type of pro wrestling I want. Oh, look! Anytime you, the thing that you're 
connecting with has a level and a depth of drama attached to it that you just don't see coming and shocks you in a good way. Yeah. You're kind of like, yes, I'm so glad I'm into this thing because the payoffs are fucking legit, you know? Yeah. And I give you give yourself over to it. Yeah, yeah. You basically yeah. just say you're taking you got my heart in your hands, Tespi. Do with it what you will. Cause at this point I'm gone. Like, yeah. I said, I love that I'm able to follow New Japan Pro Wrestling. I love that they provide and allow guys to do that sort of thing. Because New Japan doesn't have a deathmatch division, but they're saying, All right, Despi, you want to go off and do a deathmatch? Even though last time you broke your fucking jaw right before the best of super juniors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Okay. Like, maybe this isn't the smartest decision to let him go off and do this against the same guy. <laughs> yeah. But clearly, you know, there's a you know, there's there's an a layer to the onion that is Despi that must be added here. Yeah. So it can only be beneficial. Like they have to recognize yeah, that that's yeah. only going to do like benefit to the character. Yeah, they're out there promoting it through New Japan World. Yep, they realize, gee, this got Despi to another level. And then that only adds to the depth of the story now between yep. him and Hiromu moving forward. Like he's the he's changed man now. Yeah, because his whole perception of, you know, the idea of why he's wrestling has changed. Yeah, makes him another beast altogether. Makes him something completely different. Uh, yeah, so now that rivalry, that that story between the two of them, it will be different and change again because the characters changed. Yeah, I would love nothing more than Despy to go on a run and just destroy the just run through the juniors yeah because it's it's just made for it like he's like i said he's he started with mox with the death match of mox he's been he's been asking for things where he's been putting himself in peril intentionally and it's clearly a story they're wanting to tell of despy's doing dangerous things Mm. despy's needing something to he's looking for something he's searching for something that he hasn't got he's trying to prove something that he He's trying to do something that he doesn't need to do. We all believe Despy to be great, but the fact is, as El Fantasmo says, Despy chokes. You know, Despy's whole gimmick is he gets to the, the the highest point and then he can't finish. And it's like because he's is he afraid of losing something? Does he believe he had to give up something? Is that the idea? The reason he he can't handle the pressure is that he's concerned about the result. But now it's like he's going to wrestle free because he's been freed of the fear of failure. Like it's a it's a huge character beat, I think, and it's going to change the way that we view Despy moving forward. So, as it when you get a match that that is that propellant, like it pushes someone so far forward, it's so important for that person. Plus, it's just a visceral experience, unlike anything you ever seen. Plus, they <laughs> plus they did a they did like a, a code red from the top rope through a bed of forks, like <laughs> like. All of those things, <laughs> all in one package, like, yeah, yeah, it's gonna stick with me, yeah. yeah. Something, something else. So I, however, people are gonna seek it. You can get it as a pay per view on New Japan World. I don't know when it will come to World. I hope soon. It is. It's. I hope people will get to see it before the end of the year for their match of the year uh, ratings because I really think. It's gonna be the the freaks match of the year. Like it's gonna be the one that people are talking about in amongst a small group of people that got to experience it and watch it. 
Yeah. Um, it's it's a it's it's high art. No no higher praise I can give than what a match and uh, strongest recommendation. I don't give out stars, but it's five stories, <laughs> all of the stories. <laughs> it was great. So yeah, that was what I, I had nothing. I had nothing planned to talk about until last night, and then I watched that and I was like, well, that's all I can talk about. Yeah, I love it. I hope people don't think that like any of this is scripted (laughs) (laughs) josh can talk that's uh that's all anyone needs to know yeah i just go on a run and yeah figure out halfway through it let him go (laughs) sometimes it doesn't make sometimes it doesn't make sense and i'll find my way through it and if there are factual inaccuracies that's to be expected i'm just i'm just shooting the shit yeah (sighs) good stuff yeah look i mean for me this week i was really kind of I didn't really know if I had much to talk about at all. Um, off the back of last week's chat, sort of thinking about evil, um, I kind of had a, I was thinking, oh, uh, kind of like the idea of like looking at stories or thinking a little bit about stories that I don't know much about, um, or sorry, characters that I don't know much about or i'm i'm unsure about the trajectory or uh things feel a little stagnant or Mm. or like they're they're kind of just treading water and not really moving in any clear direction like the the what's the go wrestler yeah what's the go basically uh and this week i had a little bit of a a little bit of a thought about one particular wrestler and it's sort of off the back of the discussion that we recently had about Okan and Muda mm-hmm. and um, Muda being on this sort of like farewell tour. <laughs> the never ending farewell tour. Yeah. Yeah. And the idea, right, is that he's going to do something in new Japan at some point. Well, that's the hope he's, he's yeah. hinted at it. Yeah. That's so, and then, so, uh, Okan recently went to, it was Noah, wasn't it? Yes. He went to Noah. Yep. And they, they had a, an interaction there and he got misted in the face. He did. Yeah. They were on the same team as well. And he got misted at the end. So after winning the match. that's kind of interesting to me. Mm. And I was thinking a little bit about. This, this idea around mentors and how mentors can, again, like we, you know, we constantly keep coming back to how different, uh, different things can inform yep. a character and where they go. Like we just did on the big Despy thing. Yeah, and literally, idea, Kasai, yeah. literally just yeah. had that discussion. Yep. Exactly. Um, and this idea around perhaps Muda, the great Muda bringing out, um, a potential sort of great Okan, yep, uh, element to that to that character. And I wondered, like, I wonder how you get there, right? Or, but if if Mood is going to do something in New Japan, what about if he did something in New Japan that involved Great Okan, 
but also involved someone that he trained. Yeah. That needs something. That needs something that is a little stagnant. And, you know, like, for those who don't know, I'm talking about Sonata at the moment. Mm. And, you know, Sonata had a run in Chikara as the great Sonata <laughs> with face paint very similar to Muda. I would think that, like, I, I was, like, thinking about it, like, as a, even as a feud, like, Muda uh, as a feud, like, Sonata and Okan. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like an, like an idea of those two being paired up. Those two being paired up and almost fighting for the affection, the last... Um, or or even like the the torch to be passed to them yeah. from Muda as he's on his way out. That's interesting. Because Sonata Sonata and Muda is such an interest. It's such a fascinating study of the dynamic. Like he still does the Muda moonsault. Yeah, like the true version of it, where you just fucking launch yourself, <laughs> like. Um, and you're right. Sonata has that. Like I, the great Okan seems like new Japan trying to new Japan's direction is to try to get that style of character onto, onto the Muda character onto Okan because of the obvious connections between the, the styles of the of the type of presentation, you know, like yeah. the entrances and everything and the whole get up and everything. It's very similar. I mean, there's there's a but Muda is two people. Like it's great yeah. Muda and Keiji Muto. And so I mean look. I don't know. I don't know what whether like how you do it, whether you even whether you even need to involve Okan or not. I just think that that could be a potentially interesting dynamic moving forward. It feels if like it can, should be the. And, it feels like it should be the one. Well, and then you can continue. You can have a continued feud once Muda, I don't know, hangs up the boots and yeah. rides off into the sunset or whatever. Like you've got then a thing there between two guys. Well, they'll be connected. They will be connected because if Muda, if the great Muda passes the torch to Okan, he will instantly become connected to Sonata because of the mentor relationship. Where it's like, even if if Sonata's not even involved at all in the storytelling, that will always come back to the storytelling. I think there's also like this interesting idea of Sonata not making it to new in the New Japan dojo system when he tried to get in and then going to all Japan, training in Muda's school. Yep. Go, following having, Muda everywhere. Following Muda and, and then and then making his way to New Japan eventually. Mm -hmm. Okan going through the New Japan system. Yep. For then Muda to then the idea of like Muda passing the torch to them to him in some way like maybe this tai chi sonata thing that's been going on is all to do with this new uh, all japan heritage that they both have one from kawada one from muda i just think that there's finally i'm seeing like some sort of historical link with sonata that could potentially 
propel him to him into uh, some sort of Something. interesting character development. Well, wouldn't it be potential feud or whether? But it's he's a... never adopted. Like the thing is, he never adopted. Like Taichi's a master at adopting the outsider thing. Like he's yeah. always, even though he's an insider, he always talks about like New Japan is doing this, and I'm I'm always got my own shit going because I got to be prepared. Like he's just his mentality is different because he's got that idea that he is he's not he's not accepted by New Japan. Even, mm. Like he just has that that complex that will always inform his character. It's never going away. Um, but that's why people love him because they accept him as a New Japan guy wholeheartedly. Yeah. Um, even though he doesn't believe it, you know, like thinks the company's out to get him and all that sort of stuff. Like that's just his mentality. And which is which is fair enough. Yeah. Because history dictates that you would feel that way. Yeah, because the every and and shoot, it's an it's true because New Japan will always take in any side. Will pro- always promote. We've seen it with Okani. They will always yeah. take a dojo boy over an outsider. In in any if if there's two people going for a position at a you know at a certain level, dojo boy, up you go. That's they protect. They're loyal to their products. That's the people that come through their system. They are loyal to. And that's the way they've always been, always. And so it's a situation where if you're Sonata, Mood, like Mood, like Mudo is such an, I mean, Mudo's, Mudo's a, just a different character. Let's just be real. Mm. We want to talk about egos in pro wrestling. There has, there has been, there's only one KG Muto. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he's going to lose his retirement match. He's going to go out kicking and screaming. Um, <laughs> but I do think like, it's interesting because Noah announced that his retirement match is going to happen in February at the dome and they haven't announced his opponent. Okay. So it'd be interesting to see what that is, who that is. I mean, obviously people want the dream matchups. They want the Okada, they want the whatever, but you wonder if Keiji Mudo's like, I've got my understudy, like my true understudies there. It's like, There'd it would make so different. much story, and I think it would it would like Sonata could be a made man off the back of that. Yeah, and if Muro, like we all want him, like he's done a a horrific job of helping Kaido Kiyomiya in in Noah get to that point. Like that was the whole story. He beat the shit out of Kiyomiya for years. The young young Kaido Kiyomiya, who's like this, he's a superstar, supernova, young guy. And he's just been like constantly beaten and beaten and beaten by Mudo. And he finally gets his win back, like finally at the very end. And now he's like adopting the shining wizard and all the Mudo stuff. And it's like, it just hasn't worked because yeah. by the time he got it, it just, the, the it didn't, because it, Mudo was just like, I'm not like the way they booked is like, he's just always going over. But if he's going to, if he's going to make at least one person on his way out, like Sonata needs it. Like Sonata could really benefit from getting the, that position. And then if he's going to do it in New Japan context with the great Muda thing, he creates generational rivals just in one shot because he, he gives something to Okan and he gives something to Sonata. And then they have this, this, this connective tissue where it's almost like Okan's like this alternate universe in which Muda never leaves New Japan. Mm. And Sonata's the version is what happens when Muda left New Japan, like these two differing philosophies these differing versions of the the character or the idea 
it could be interesting. I like the concept. I, I think it's almost like he's the forgotten man in this whole thing. It's like, of course, Sonata should be involved. He has to be. Like, you're right. Like, if he's not involved in the last five matches of Keiji Mudo's career, it's a missed opportunity. Oh, absolutely. It's a, it'd be a, it'd be a disservice to Sonata. And if I was Sonata, I'd be kind of pissed about it. Yeah. Yeah, be politicking. But the question is, is Sonata like is the character of Sonata a shoot where he's just like, <laughs> uh, you know, look, maybe, maybe. But I mean, that's the weird thing about him as a as a wrestler and as a character. Like, there's been glimpses, yeah, glimpses of charisma and glimpses of of depth. We know? talked about it last week about evil, and we talked about it in a lot of things about characters. Is Sonata, like we talked about with Naito and stuff, is Sonata the ultimate, like I mean the ultimate, like risk bet, like that there's something in there that people, that only few have seen, but you just get this sense like, we talked about it last week about, you know, those famous sports like the Penny Hardaways, the, these people that have so much potential. And I, I even I said it this year, I was like, I, you know, I was always very high on Sonata because I remember him from his, his TNA run where he was doing the the stuff. He was everywhere back in the day in, in American mm. Indies. Like I'd seen him as a charismatic kind of guy that we just hadn't seen as his character, this cold skull thing. And it's like, he's been that character for a while now and we haven't really seen much. I mean, there were, yeah. And there, I mean, there were, there were moments where he almost like come out in like, uh, like parts of Penzance sort of gear, like he kind of come out in like a very. It was almost like you know, like wearing flair. You know, he was yeah. Every now and then he'd go back to this kind of apathetic, cold skull, kind of like stoic character. But I then, um, before he got hurt with his face, he was doing when he got the US belt and he was starting to cut promos in in English, mm. and he was like going back to that thing of it was like yeah he has potential in that role because of his history in the u.s and he knows so many people and he's connected he's a bit like shingo where he's got these random mm. connections because he's been out in the wilderness you know you just think and this year this g1 in particular i sort of left it going oh man i think i've seen a text message so i'm like i think the i was like i think the time might have passed i like literally said like i think it might have that might be it like Mm. the the window opportunity to capitalize on Sonata. The, not forget, G1 finalists only a couple of years ago. You know, like, but uh, that might have been it, you know? Yeah. I feel like something is afoot. Something is amiss. Something is going to happen with LIJ because they've been effectively the same thing for a long period of time. Kind of, except for evil leaving. Yeah. And if... You know, Naito, like, <laughs> you, the ultimate, we do the Naito story and then we take the Naito story away would be like some kind of rebellion against LIJ from within LIJ where it falls, falls apart mm. and they all get to kind of, be their own thing and maybe that's like what is in effect holding back a guy like sonata yeah it's almost like he's inherited evil spot in the 
in the faction where he's dropped down the the levels in terms of his perception in terms of the heavyweight perception where Shingo's sort of obviously Shingo's the the most successful actually like kayfabe in the this year is the most successful of the lij members then naito's had that great run during the g1 and got close and sonata just didn't sonata just didn't have sonata's just sitting there kind of just floating just kind of and he can't surely he's not then he's not just gonna sit there for fucking ever no and that's just just made me think about like this the the last of muda and uh, like i remember maybe we talked about it ages ago and you know, I knew about Sonata's history going and, you know, talking even last week about with evil, like, and again, today, the the origins of a character being informed by their reality in the beginning and then it all builds off that. If you do that with Sonata, then surely the end of Muda has, you would think that that's the perfect time to, for it to play a role. Yeah, it has to, it has to end where it begins. Like it has to, like for Sonata, it's like this this version of him would be best served to confront the man that made him, like the person that like it's like the story of Sonata consistently has been and we know like the story he always tells is in a similar way to Naito, but like he goes him in that skull end and then he always goes for that fucking moonsault. Mm. Like he gives up he gives up the potential to win via submission to try to hit the Muda moonsault. Like does yeah. it all the time. And all I mean, ninety-seven percent of the time misses. Yeah. Like and it's like, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? And because he's such this like apathetic Chad, no one ever gets into the thinking of him of like they don't want to sort of break down his single brain cell, you know. Like it's not that they don't think of him like that. They just think of him as this this like dude maybe they're maybe that they all are all like secret letters and you know like in the hope that they get back to muda that he's winning his move he's he wants he wants he wants that torch passed to him he wants to be acknowledged i mean look Maybe you know we potentially fucking you know again a stretch here. Maybe they're not going this deep, but I just think that it and adds. I don't know. Just add, would add something to that character that I think is vital. Yeah, I think it. you're right. He needs it because right. otherwise, he's he's state. How else does he get out of where he's at? Well, think of the progression that every character that we watch and we like even carrot like new japan has been treading water for two and a half years but even in that time they have had to progress the characters the characters have grown and moved and changed i mean i was only just reminded i was listening to a podcast i was into the uh super j cast the other day and i just they reminded me it's always sad when you hear it about they're talking about hiromu's um sort of comeback because this week on on world hiromu's documentary the redhead revival is is free Oh yeah, cool. And so just you know, his story of coming back from the broken neck, and the whole arc of that story is him getting to uh, challenge, getting the winning back the junior title, doing that whole thing, and getting to challenge Naito for the anniversary show for mm. Naito versus Hiromu, that capping off, and then that's three weeks before the COVID, and then COVID happens, and it and it robs us all of Naito versus Hiromu, this organic story that had been told and built to, you know, 
Yeah. And and now I was just thinking about that because now we're like, oh, we could you could always go back to it. But the you could, but to get back to it is so tricky because of how much the characters have moved in those two and a half years. Yeah. And that's the the challenge of it is that people move. But then I was like, yeah, except Sonata hasn't. <laughs> like yeah. He's one of those characters that has sort of stayed very stagnant. Like he had the match of evil in the blow off match about them being broken up and it was fine. It was sort of punctuated by, it was a Wrestle Kingdom match, you know, two years ago, whatever it was punctuated by Dick Togo doing an elbow drop through a table after a bump, just for his, just for his own sake. He didn't, there was no one around. He just decided to elbow drop it and <laughs> just refused the bump. Um, <laughs> just, only Dick Togo can. It's only Dick can. Yeah. yeah. And he just ex- hyper exaggerated, right? <laughs> But the, but it wasn't like it. It did like it was like ah, it was a, it was a disappointing blow off, and it was like, where does it, like evil turned on you too, Sonata? Like evil turned on you the most. Like mm. you guys were like one of the iconic tag teams of you, you were going to be like the Tenzon and Kojima of this era. Like you were going to be the two guys that were going to be great singles and great tag, and that was going to, and he just fucked you over. But Naito's upset. Hiromu's fucking devastated. He's out there trying to kill him. And you're just like hanging out. Like, I don't know. Yeah, like like whatever. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. And it's like, yeah. it's like, <laughs> it's kind of like this is what happens like if Orange Cassidy is cast in a drama. It's like <laughs> it's just like, oh, it just doesn't sort of fit. But there's something to it. There's more to it. What is it? Like, why are you so like apath- why do you not care? in this sense why are you so detached and maybe there's something to that with the mudo story maybe there's something maybe there's a way that he can just say look you know there's something that he that he was done to him or something that he was his experience that that has led him to this position of just being oh i mean i also think that like the timing of this dog cage evil match so there's clearly that this sunday story being told there this sunday yeah whether it's the with against chaos whether it's the um rock bottom that evil needs to hit for him to transform and propel him in the next direction that he goes to i'm not sure i like the idea of it but i against chaos kind of confuses me a little bit i would have thought maybe uh, against lij would make more sense but maybe he needs to go through that and then a transition bef- and then uh sonata can go through his own with this muda thing and then they can come back i mean yeah. like and then i mean who knows like maybe tai chi gets all the all japan misfits together and makes his own thing and Tai Chi Gun. Well, yeah. he's he's often tried to recruit Sonata. Yeah. Tai Chi Gun. He's done it constantly, saying, like, why are you over there? And I think the thing that I was just thinking there before, like we talked about it last week, and it's kind of crazy for us, you know, we keep going back to LIJ stories. I don't know, like we're not I mean, we we're fans of LIJ, like we're fans of other things, but LIJ's got so many such a rich like yeah. little faction. And well, and also too, the other reason too is like a lot of their guys are top level guys, so yeah. they do tend to have richer stories. Yeah, they're always in the spotlight. Uh, 
more richer character they are they are richer characters because they're more in the spotlight but the reason i'm saying that dave is it's interesting because we 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 talked about lij and we talked about nido we talked about how he was recruiting misfits but he was recruiting them he was recruiting people in particular who he felt had been slighted in some respect or who had been who were not being respected in the way they should have been. They were underutilized or under under appreciated, like he was in terms of that sense. Like, you know, evil who he saw as the as the uh what what he was like his parade or whatever, like the idea of this guy that was sort of coming back and he was gonna turn him into this brand new version of himself after his tough stint in Ring of Honor. You know, like he hadn't mm. the Watanabe thing hadn't really clicked there. And I was like, oh well, I'll bring him back and we'll fix him up. And Hiroma, who had struggled for years, literally struggled for years, and was like, there's something in that kid. I, I reckon that he's going to be a superstar. I can see potential in him. But you're you're not seeing what I'm seeing. Mm. I always feel like Nida was like, you're not seeing what I'm seeing, and these guys are being um, let down by that. You know, Bushi from more Japan as well. Like, there's this um, – and Shingo, of course, was the frustrated guy in who got – he felt stagnant in his previous – position and was not getting he had nowhere else to go he didn't see the any further upside and not sort of revealing there's a whole new world out here that you can conquer yeah and it's like well what's sonata you know i mean i mean i'm throwing out ideas dave here's, here's an idea i'll throw this out off the back of this please complete. you want a big match for mudo what about nido because mm. you want to break up you want to you want to create tension in LIJ. You put Naito versus Muto as the blockbuster because Naito, what's Naito got for Wrestle Kingdom? Where's he going to end up? He always finds a way to get there somewhere. Yeah, and it's like we got to get a big guy into the if Muto's going to wrestle at Wrestle Kingdom, it should be a high profile match. Like Muto can't do shit; he can barely move. Yeah, you know, he'll put in an effort, but he ain't going to do much. But if you put Naito in there with Sonata in in like I'm I, this is getting super melodramatic but if you put Sonata in between the two of them mm. you know like of who's who are you supporting who are you actually supporting here Sonata yeah there could be a way to to build on his story without him being there and having resentment against Nido the same way evil has resentment against Nido mm. there could be a way to get to it like yeah I'm not sure how, but I like. And the moment you told me that Great Okan got misted in that the other week, and like, oh, okay, so that didn't really play out how, you know, we talked about it previously. Like, oh, maybe, you know, it's kind of like a passing of the torch thing. And so he got misted there. So that, I mean, it could be Great Okan and Muda at Wrestle Kingdom. Because of that, and then Sonata, um, I don't know, maybe tries saves Muda or yeah, does something. There's got to be something. Sonata has to be tied to him somehow. Or, yeah. or like your idea is is so you're basically saying like Muda has has rejected Okan as like the like Okan went and then Muda misses him, misses him. He's rejecting him. It's mm. like he's looking for the right guy. It's like, but it's it's just that it's the messy nature of Sonata and Lij and the 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 way that you can get him across to Mudo. It's just a really, it's a really Wrestle Kingdom season is going to be fascinating because 
there are some big there's only there's only one match there's only one uh one card one night and they're gonna load them up and, and you, you know like the, you know new japan's this concerted effort that we talked about about like trying to bring youth into yep. the company well you know there's a bunch of dudes that are waiting in the wings that have been there for a long time that could m- move in to more prominent roles and I mean, what better guy as far as from a talent perspective? Yeah. And a guy who can have consistently great matches than a dude like Sonata. So why not give his character something? If you made him an energetic baby face, you would you would transform like he's already got like here's the thing. People love Sonata. Mm. That's the hard part to like, he's just him and like, and he wins the main event and they all do the light gimmick, you know, where they all turn the phones on and shit. And it's like, he's got this charisma that people respond to and he's cultivated character to an extent, but it's like, he, he still, he has those matches with Okada and they're always good, but they never capture the imagination. They never, other than that, that awesome 29 minute 57 second match or whatever that was like they used the story of the time limit to tell the story you know yeah but other than that they're just they're proficient they're 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 clinical and but they're they're devoid of emotion and that's kind of sonata and it's a challenge for him to get to that next level i think without that emotion it's like well what's going to bring the emotion out of him something's got to do it and until he gets it I'm with, I just can't see him being the guy, but he could be the guy. Yeah. Or a, at least a guy. Yeah. At least a guy, at least in that, at that well, level. Well, let's think of it, Dave. If Kota Bushi isn't coming back, and I think that's a fair assumption to make, there's a spot. There's a spot. Yeah. For that type of baby face. And it's like homegrown outsider baby face, you know, like that Sonata is got very similar to Ibushi in that respect. So, yeah, and I mean, what what uh, what better way to bring out some charisma in Sonata than the two faces of Sonata? Maybe he doesn't need to be the great Sonata all the time. No. Maybe he can still be stoic, deadpan Sonata. <laughs> but when he turns, like Naito, you know. But when yeah. he turns, it gets like you know, Yushin Thunder Liger had his thing, like Kishin, yeah. Yeah, like Sonata could that could be a really kind of cool character development for him. That Muto needs to be used to propel Sonata. If they don't use him in any way, Sonata's it's a it's a travesty for the character of Sonata and it's going to hurt him because unless they find something to propel him, I can't see short of a rocket, I can't see anything that's gonna help him get any further than he is at the moment because he's just hit a wall. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. They think they got the answers. I change the question. Well, it's, I mean, it's the wonderful world of wrestling, isn't it? Really, when when one 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 area is quiet, surely there's something going off somewhere else. Yeah, it is a bit like that corner of the world. Yeah, it is a bit like that, and I think to some extent, like New Japan, sort of cultivated this thing. Now, it's sort of there's a bit of New Japan in everything, everywhere, you know. Like we saw it this week. Like it was crazy since we last, since we last uh, recorded, we had the announcement and on sale of an Oceania, like a 
entirely new New Japan brand. Yeah. They just sort of announced on a Thursday midday for a Friday morning on sale. That's interesting. Interesting, isn't it? But it is lovely to see like a lot of people that are on that follow us or listen to us are like tweeting or tweeting at us. Like that's how I found out first that this was coming was people were like sending they were adding we work stiff and being like, Have you seen this? Yeah. I'm like, shit. Yeah, that's okay. Right. Yeah. And then and then people were like, Oh, oh, you'll be going, I'll see you at the show. I was like, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, Red's head's gonna explode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like you don't have to tell them we have a podcast, Red. They already know. <laughs> yeah. Do you think that maybe they like because when you sent me or sent the price listings, mm. do you think maybe they were just well, we'll just dip a toe in and we'll see what the interest is and we just we'll just at you know first time back after pandemic we don't who knows how it is over there we'll just gauge interest it felt a bit like that obviously being in sydney as well working with pwa it appears um who have been doing great stuff during the pandemic with their black label stuff um that's robbie eagles promotion so like home promotion so that probably Uh, that makes sense really doesn't it yeah um i think you're probably right like Look, when we saw those prices for front row, I was like, oh, what? what? <laughs> yeah, like, well, <laughs> okay. we get the front row, aren't <laughs> yeah. we? <laughs> yeah, and I think everyone had that idea because um, when I went in to, to get them, uh, you know, went in through the thing, I got the front row tickets, went out of it, they'd already, like, they'd all gone. So they'd gone in the, the minute that I was on the the site and then, the, and then within five minutes, every seat on the floor had gone and then within 30 minutes every seat in the building had gone so it was like well there's a sign yeah um that and that was and to be fair that was with the announcement of the brand and ishimori kenta and farley and that's it yeah so that's pretty strong that's a pretty strong message from i think the new japan uh fandom down yeah under that new japan yeah, like Bullet Club is coming. Fale, Ishimori, and Kenta. It's yeah. like, oh yeah, okay. It's like, <laughs> it's like, it's it's a far you know like it's a far cry in terms of the star power of like in the past of like Bullet Club is coming. The first time they used the same marketing strategy and it was like the Elite and Cody and that was kind of the presentation they were they were going with at that stage. Um, but it has this time it has this much bigger potential i think because it seems like the the focus and i sort of said it to i feel like it's obviously designed to be like strong like that's the that's the plan it's like it's going to be like new japan strong is in in the states i think and if that's the case that's a so does that mean running semi-regular shows i think so and recording them having a brand yeah i would say yeah well they've they've got the they've got the the twitter handle and new japan tamashi tamashi i'm curious then if that means that brooksy got signed yeah i'm curious if people have been well i don't know like australian talent that's adjacent that's that's sort of just like it's similar they might have strong deals i i noticed that tonight i was on twitter and paris de silva who's one of the velocities um really great tag team has sort of said how excited he is for the industry and 
about what's going on in Australian pro wrestling and where it's headed. And it's like, you know, PWA's announced that they're going to have on in their October show, they're going to have a new Japan star who's de- going to debut for the promotion to promote the, the show in November. So someone's coming down to do a, a one shot. There's so much value in Jonah staying with new Japan. Isn't there? Yeah. You look at, you look at that and you're like, okay, so you're going to, you're going to dip into the market here and potentially start a brand here. Also important to, to mention, Dave, it's an Oceania brand. So it's not just Australia, it's also New Zealand. Yeah, New Zealand, yeah. So you got Jay as well. Yeah, yeah. You got one of the best juniors coming out of Australia. And then, you know, Jonah effectively getting himself, you know, putting himself in that top tier level uh, with that great G1 performance. You know, he's he, he basically you're like, there isn't another a way that he could really put Australian pro wrestling on his back than sticking with New Japan right now. Because mm. he could elevate the like the two of them in like if this thing, you know, like a year from now and they run a few different shows here. Yeah. Like it could be massive for all the talent that's here. There's been plenty of talent here for a long time. It's just exposure, getting seen. It's a long yeah. way away. Yeah, we're a long way away from everyone, you know. But not that far away from Japan, relative, ah, you know. Which is yeah. And and I think um I noticed this this sort of ties in nicely to Dr. Gary's question. I'm interested. I've had a look at a couple of these questions. I think probably have answer a couple of questions, Dave. And we think on the same way of life as the doctor, which is a positive sign for us, I think. Um, who's he's excited? I think he's attending this show. I think I noticed he's he's going to be at the show. So, shout us out, Doctor. We'll see. We'll we'll make a house call. Yeah. Oh yeah. We'll, uh, we'll make a house call. Yeah. Do you uh, know anywhere we can stay? <laughs> you live locally, Doctor. Uh, but Doctor Gary asked. Uh, he, he basically told us go nuts and fantasy slash conspiracy book. So he's he's got the vernacular down as well. Um, <laughs> conspiracy book. Uh, Tamashi. Uh, becoming the main New Japan brand. I think he's going a long way down the conspiracy book, but do you think we'll get any surprises? I think, um, so just let's, I think that sort of speaks to the areas that we like to talk to around the ideas of, I, I was interested as what actually is it, you know, like what is the brand? What is the thing? Because I, I think I sort of mentioned to you, Dave, they could in theory own the market. They could, New Japan could build something really special in Australia and New Zealand because this is a region that has demonstrated consistent um, interest in pro wrestling for a long time. Mm. Um, obviously, like when, you know, for whatever it is, when WWE comes here, they can sell out the G, which is a very, for people that don't know Australia, it's a very large stadium in Australia, 100,000 yeah. people. Um I mean, they can they can do that kind of numbers of people flying from all around the country because that's what they have to do in this country. Especially if you're putting seats down on the ground, you're looking at yeah. over 100. It's huge. Yeah. It was a huge. I think I, I, I took my niece there. I think there was I think there was 80 something thousand, something like yeah. that. Um, but that was a you know, that was a, a good Slack indication for show, a really, <laughs> yeah, basically a house show. It was, it yeah. was a house show in a gigantic stadium. But um, there's always interest and there's always uh, and I think it was important to mention, I noticed um, off the back of, you know, AEW was talking about their Forbidden Door pay-per-view and how 
Meltzer had broken down the numbers and had noted how the pay-per-view buys for it were different in that there were a lot more internationals in that that pay-per-view buy. Digital pay-per-views were, were up really high. And I think that that's the UK and uh, Australia. So Australia plays a, an interesting part in, in pro wrestling in that sense. It's like you don't have to have – it's proof. You don't have to have this massive number of uh, – population provided there's enough people to watch shows and that were willing to invest money and go to shows. Yeah. And so I think, yeah, this, this first sort of um, instance of sort of testing the waters is like, is there interest in a brand based show where we basically have told you nothing other than, you know, Kenta Ishimori and Fale, which, you know, like Ishimori and Kenta, (laughs) poor Fale, but like Ishimori, like, okay, cool. I get to see the abs live. And then it's like, Kenta obviously is a draw. Like Kenta for people for sickos like us, it's like Kenta. Yeah. It's like yeah. okay, <laughs> you had me at Kenta. And we, um, I mean, it might be a smaller market, but it's a rabid fan base. Like the people here that are into pro wrestling are, yeah, like, they'll they're into it and they'll go they'll go deep. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. find case, the boys and girls, case in point. Know? Case yeah. in point, we exist. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so, but I think that, and you look at the the quality of independent pro wrestling that exists here. Um, I think the long term stuff is like you build the market like you build strong. You have the potential to send young boys down here. You know, you have that potential mm-hmm. of like you think about the quality of lifestyle that the and the different experiences you would get down here as well in terms of like like what does a young boy who goes on excursion in australia come out to be you know like yeah yeah they're the interesting things of the different uh stylistic um influences and recognition of you know like i don't think it goes with i think it goes um without saying but it's important to to say nonetheless is that i think robbie has impressed new japan officials so much in terms of his ability you know like his technical Mm. proficiency and just his all-around ability it's like well where did he come from so the idea is like, what did he do? It's like, well, I came through this school. I came through under Madison Eagles training through PWA. Like, it's like, okay, well, if you came through that training system and you're this good, then it speaks highly of the system that you come from. And then look at all the people that are out there. And it's like, okay, we've got, you know, we got the TMDK boys. It's like, okay, yeah, well, yeah. these guys are all like that system. The situation is like they, like TMDK I mean, this- can run this shit. Well, also, yeah, there's no reason that, like, Australia, I mean, Farley's got his little dojo over in New Zealand. There's no reason why, uh, like, Robbie's school or TMDK or whatever, they can't have something, a a banner of theirs under New Japan Dojo as well. Mm. Just grow this, grow this system. Yeah. It's like, it's a bit like what, like, Oh, Paul Levesque was trying to do the old Hunter was trying to do with the, the local globalization yeah. sort of thing of like NXT, NXT UK, everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think what New Japan has sort of identified is they, they don't go where they're not wanted. <laughs> yeah, wanted or need like Rev Pro in the UK. It's like obviously the UK market is a huge market for New Japan. Has sold they sold at the Copper Box years ago. They've They've got two shows that have basically sold out for they're, they're doing these monster shows, you know, over there for Royal Quest 2. So it's like, well, that's a really hot market. Why don't they have their own New Japan Strong of the UK brand? It's like because Rev Pro exists and they're confident and comfortable with what Rev Pro is doing 
over yeah. there. They don't want to go in and cannibalize the market. Yeah. Whereas here it could use not the eyes. Not to be eaten and swallowed, but it could use the eyes. It doesn't have the eyes. Yeah. And and there are I mean, there's some great indie promotions here that managed to get some top level talent for their shows, but they're not super regular, you know, like mm. so to see if if like a New Japan branded thing here meant that more regular shows were put on, there's more opportunities for local guys to work, make money, get eyes on them, be put on New Japan World, then yep. I mean, why would you want to deny that? And then still with the opportunity to go and work those other shows where there's there's uh, talent still being brought in from different companies, indies and whatever from the US. Exactly. Well, just look at what New Japan Strong has been able to do. And like New Japan Strong obviously came about during the pandemic and was essentially just a California indie, basically. It's like a California place where New Japan was going to build their roster. And you look at a guy like a bad dude, Tito, who is a 15-year California indie guy who got an opportunity, who got put in front of a, a, a you know the right people, got he realized this is important had been sort of unseen outside of some random um, like, uh, I think it's like wrestling from Hollywood or whatever show that was on like localized show. And now he's, you know, opening up the cheering Corican, you know, like, yeah, but that's a guy that just needed the eyes. He, he was, he was ready. He was prepared. He just didn't have the breaks or didn't have the opportunities. And that's the same thing that could happen for someone down here. It's like one person has just got an opportunity to be on this Tamashi show and might get booked against someone big and have the match of their life and then they become something. It's like... Who knows what's going on with AEW, but, I mean, we could be, you never know, half a step away from Buddy Matthews going, fuck it, I'm going to New Japan. Yeah. And, you know, he's had so many eyes with him with his stint in the WWE and AEW. If New Japan is going to invest time and energy into building this brand, that's also a tacit sort of suggest, like it's also showing a commitment to the country of like, we're going to commitment to Australia and New Zealand to invest time and effort into this region and hopefully invest money and resources. If you're an Australian wrestler, if you're an Australian wrestler of some note, that has to be something of a, well, that's that's encouraging. It's like, well, I, I want to support that that brand because I'm seeing the benefit of what they're doing um, in my home country. Like, so if you mm -hmm. are a buddy, Matthews, it's like, well, you it, they're building equity with you. I'm assuming. Cause like, well, they're really, they're not just trying to, um, you know, go for a spot show. They're trying to sort of plant some seeds down here and they're trying to open up pathways for talent. And that's really, I think what they're trying to do. They're just trying to create new pathways for talent that the youth initiative is on. And I think New Japan has made a commitment and they've they've been sort of steadfast in this about having a diverse array of talent from all around the world. They want to be the world leader of this sort of thing. They want to have that sort of international. I mean, the, the I in IWGP stands for international and they want to have yeah. that kind of flavor. And I think, yeah, I think it's a great uh, sort of um, feather in the cap for, for the, you know, your Jonas and your Robbies. Um, even you know your Mikey Nichols and the guys that have been there doing the stuff, the TMDK guys that they have at least impressed enough that they see it. And obviously, Jay White's the, I mean, Jay White's the best case, isn't he? The perfect example, like 
Yeah. Did they not look at him and say, well, what if we got him at 18? What if he never had to leave New Zealand? He came through the system straight away. What if we got him straight away? You know, that's the kind of thinking. I mean, Hanare's there as well. So, the like, reality is, like, when it comes to, say, soccer or football down here, like, we're in the Asian Federation and we've been, Australia has slowly been positioning itself more to recognize where it's actually located, you know, mm. um, and recognizing what our, who our neighbors are and what they look like. And realizing uh, that those connections should be something that we explore more deeply and recognize and respect. Um, and they're already embedded in our culture. We're just pretty much unaware of them. Uh, but it's happening over time. And I feel like there's certainly a market where, I guess I've always said it, like being a New Japan fan in Australia is awesome because it's the first time in, in my life that I'm able to watch pro wrestling in prime time. Yeah. And, that's like you can't take that for granted. You can watch a live show at like seven thirty at night, like at basically the time it's going to air in Japan. We're watching it here, and importantly, that goes both ways. So, you put on a show here in Australia, the Japanese audience can watch it live oh, as well. Yeah. So there, it does have some benefits that other countries just don't have. So I do think, like, I feel like it has potential to become just as as power, like just as relevant as strong i think it can be just as relevant as strong it just like it's the where this event's been announced like the week before tag league i wouldn't be surprised if a bunch of tag league guys uh, yeah. come here first and then head to japan yeah well um, it makes sense to put like aussie open and well, they they were straight away tweeting about it. like that's the thing like yeah. we forget about Aussie Open because you, you forget they haven't been in Japan yet because of the pandemic. But they're going to become they're going to become one of the key New Japan Pro Wrestling tag team heavyweight tag teams, right? Like they're going to become um the the team I would say you know for the next foreseeable future. Yeah, well, um, you would think that um Cobb and Okan are probably going to go down yep. more singles route. Yep, in time. Yeah, in time. They'll yep, probably they... still tag as well, but yeah, I mean Aussie Open is a tag team. They're not. They're not singles guys. So. Uh, yeah, like look at the look at the amount of Australians and New Zealanders that are in, uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling. Yeah, it's clear that I don't know if it's by by design, but it looks like for us in Australia, it's great. It's like, oh my god, there's that many of them yeah. that are finding their way into the company, and there's I could name five more people that you could easily move across that are either independent or working, you know, in other places that would see the benefit of it. I mean, also too, I mean, you add into the rich history of Tongans and Samoans wrestling. Yeah. Like if you set something up pretty strong through Australia and New Zealand, well, there's plenty of Samoans and yeah, and Tongans here too. So that's exactly it. Yeah. Like when you think of like anyone that's from Tonga, like, like, the amount of people that are like Tongans, there's there's a there's a lot more Tongans in the world than there are than than the nation of Tonga can hold, yeah. uh, and but they you know we we know they come to New Zealand, they come to Australia, and the same sort of thing. Like you look at the Pacific Islanders that are in New Japan yeah. Pro Wrestling, like and the the prominence that they the positions that they hold, um, I think that there's a real connection down here to. Uh, New Japan, and I feel like over time, if they strengthen that and they grow that, we could have ourselves a like for people like us, it's incredibly exciting that they've 
they've not just done this they've done like if they've invested something more than just a show like like my first thought was like oh it's like a strong style show so you're probably not going to get like the big big names and it's like but if it's a commitment to a long-term build like a long-term investment of like they're going to run they're going to run angles and they're going to have story and they're going to connect them to the big picture it's like that's that's all you can want that's all you can ask for is it's going to be something more than just a house show yeah well i mean they announced cob too so uh, so just throw cob and kenta in there (laughs) that'd be a pretty decent main event yeah (laughs) but see that and when they thought when i saw cob i'm like oh oh, like oh please i can't come with cob just please just just join can you imagine i can't uh Okay. <laughs> at the cross <laughs> but like um, we'll have to go out in the cross if that's yeah go go looking go looking go for, can search you. Yeah. from one doctor to another so after talking from dr gary's discussion around uh tamashi and the new japan brand model that's happening this sort of extended brand dr jonathan at jonathan foy dr jonathan has returned the doctor's are back um everywhere yeah doctors yeah we're surrounded by them it's probably it's probably a a good thing in the long run we may need them come november but do you (laughs) think the pay-per-view model for big shows is going to be extended to wrestle kingdom or does new japan pro wrestling want to keep its world audience happy now so i think what dr jonathan is talking to is this sort of revenue model that new japan has sort of adopted during covid as a way to sort of recoup I think a bit of their lost revenue is to run the New Japan Strong or sort of New Japan of America shows as fight pay-per-views. In addition, they also, if uh, in in this context, Stardom has adopted a model very similar where Stardom World um, has shows that are sort of the replays. But if you want to watch the live events, you sort of have to buy these pay-per-views. That's sort of the model that they've gone through as they've grown. Um, To answer Dr. Jonathan's question straight off the bat, I don't, don't think you can put the genie back in the bottle. I don't think you can start charging for King Wrestle Kingdom after people have already become accustomed to getting it as part of their subscription. I don't think they're going to adopt that, but I do feel that additional programming may be uh, pay-per-view and then you know three weeks later come to world, which is the current way they do with the American product. Um, and... I think if if it's if they're drawing well, they'll continue to do it. I would imagine. Um, yeah. So that, I mean, like last night was an example. Yeah, where they do a one-off thing and they charge a pay-per-view for it. Well, that's technically not a New Japan show, though. So technically, that's World getting it. Yeah. Will that end up on World for free, though? I don't or... know. I, I would assume probably in time. Probably in time. Yeah. But not for a while. Because it's technically it's an independent show, um, but New Japan World is kind of moving. Taka Taichi Despi Mania. Yeah, Taka Taichi Despi Mania is like the all in of Suzuki Gun. Yeah, and they just get all of these independent guys from and girls from uh, all across, and they put on a all timer show. We will get to it. Don't worry, we will get to it. But it is a example of I think what World is sort of positioning themselves as like a wrestling platform. For like AEW, of course, is on world in in Japan, yep. so I think that's kind of how they're trying to kind of framing themselves as sort of like a platform for that, like you know, like Fight TV is in 
you know, in the... Yeah, so if you're in Japan and you wanted to watch an AEW pay-per-view, you could watch it through World yeah. by buying it. Yeah, yeah. So I think that that's kind of the, the way that they're moving that. Yeah, I think they'll do some stuff like that. Uh, like you said, hard to start charging people for Dominion and the G1 and Wrestle Kingdom after so many years now of not doing that. Yeah. But uh, look, if they decided to, Wrestle Kingdom, I mean, I wouldn't be happy about it, but I mean, Wrestle Kingdom, if they did did Wrestle Kingdom for an extra four bucks or something, I'd be like, okay, I get it. Your revenue raise a little bit. Yeah. But if you're going to start charging 25, 30, 40 bucks. Yeah. But that's, I mean, we always thought that when the network, when WWE went with the network initially, it was, they they were this move away for pay-per-view and all that sort of stuff. And they wanted the flat rate fee, but it always, they it, they missed, you know, they missed an opportunity then to obviously exclude the big four. I think the big four yeah, would have, yeah. and it would have made, they would have been able to make so much, they, they cost themselves, I mean, they don't have to worry about money, but. Yeah, but they the, could have, yeah, I mean, the potential to make. 50 bucks on a WrestleMania, they would have always. Yeah. I mean, even if they just made it 10 or, you know, you pay whatever your subscription is for the year and then for the four big pay-per-views, pay an extra 50 bucks. Yeah, something, something, just something because those, that would have made sense. And I think AEW is proving it with their distribution model, you know, currently that, you know, people uh, that are not in in the States that don't have access to the television have to pay a subscription to watch AEW each month, you know, watch the Dynamite and the Rampage stuff, and then they have to pay an additional fee for the pay-per-views as well. Mm. So that model has obviously proven to be successful and AEW is drawing, you know, 150,000 on average or whatever for their pay-per-views. So um, New Japan World sitting at, you know, around 100,000 subscribers as is. Um, I don't know if that's the if that's the direction they want to go in terms of I, I think it's obviously that they'll be looking at risk versus reward and thinking if we start charging people will people stop getting world or will they will they you know be that's upset about the yeah. and just buy the pay-per-views and sort of be casual viewers I don't know what the what the actual outcome is I think they would be looking currently pretty strongly at their pay-per-view numbers in terms of the US events especially the ones where like Mox is headlining or those big sort of the couple of big ones they've done. I think this next one, the, the New York show is going to be a really key one. They're doing um, at the end of October, uh, the one with stardom crossover yeah. in, in the States. I think that will be a key indicator. Cause I, I mean, the rumor is, is that it's going to be uh, it's going to be Jay Eddie Kingston. Yeah. That's the, the rumored main event. And in New York, you can imagine that's going to be a pretty, pretty hot um, match for the local audience. If it does well, you know, but I, I just can't, I just can't see him putting the genie. I just think, yes, I would, I would go, okay, I'll pay here. Like I'll pay to watch Wrestle Kingdom because I'm not missing Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah. But also the model, like the G1, like how do you, what do you do? You pack, how do you package that? You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah it's, a, it's a tricky one. It's a bit messy. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what I what too as a fan like what's great about it is that it is that kind of um that fed network model that mm. you kind of pay your monthly subscription and you get everything you don't feel like you're being you know you haven't missed money. out on something yeah you're not being extorted <laughs> um, 
and then and there's heaps of content like so you can you know it's like the I mean, Fight Pass, USC Fight Pass do it differently where they give you access to the archive, but, and then they have like other sort of smaller events on there as well. But, and, you know, tough, they run tough live on there and that, but you still have to pay for pay-per-views. But you'll get, you'll, but you'll still get the, um, the what's the name shows there's their b show whatever that is yeah, yeah. the espn show. ones or whatever the yeah. fight night the fight night ones they're all free but it's the it's the big pay-per-views that aren't so i see that model as a work that works as well but it's but that's here it's different in the states that through the states it's through the espn paywall so yeah it's different again i just stick with the way they've got it and then when they do special attraction stuff i i don't think there's any reason to change and the day they're doing it with stardom and that's bushy road as well so if they're making money that way through stardom they'll just probably keep doing that with stardom I, and not adjust I reckon it. That, yeah i reckon they should put stardom on there as well and that's the, the long-term play but yeah. i think it's tv networks the two right like two different networks own the different things so they've got to yeah. i think they have to figure that out um as they go through but i do feel like in time I think in time that's where we end up with what uh what they have on Wrestle Universe, which is the Noah, DDT, Tokyo Joshi Pro, like all of them together, yeah. kind of model. I think that would be the ultimate. Uh, and if you charged extra for that, I don't think anyone would have any dramas. Um, but yeah, I think the world keeping the world audience is happy is important because the world audience helped them incredibly during that pandemic uh time. You know, like having the consistent subscription base and being able to have that bottom line where you know the income i don't think you want to destabilize that in search of short-term revenue i think that's just a dangerous i also think the ease of access is a key part if you say to someone it's less than 10 bucks and you can sign up and you get all this stuff and it's easy and there's english commentary for everything and there's this this, this, this it's an easy sell as opposed to it's you know sign up watch a pay-per-view now people can still watch like the benefit of this and this is not denying like wrestle kingdom is available via fight it always is every year yeah. you don't have to get world you can pay to go on fight and it ends up costing people like 40 bucks or something for, for work for uh wrestle kingdom it's like just sign up for world you get four months yeah, for that, yeah you know but people get in their patterns of the things that they the way they consume the product and a lot of people consume through fight so they just look for that yeah. um so that's just an alternate revenue stream but i think ultimately they have to drive people to world world's the best value it's got all the access like it's all the content um I think that's the way to go. And yeah, you can offer pay-per-views on world. Like they had a Gleet show through world. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. And I, I like that model, help the other net, help the other promotions get their access via pay-per-view model and the distribution and the production, and then have all of world just available there. So I think that's, a, I think that's a, the perfect model to be honest. Still 999 yen a month, isn't it? Yep. Hasn't changed. Well, it might be, I don't know, a handful of sand. That might be what that's worth at some point. That's, yes, <laughs> like yeah. 999 yen. Yeah. Japanese economy's gone down the toilet, isn't it? It has. It has. Yep. <laughs> so it means it's cheaper for everyone. Yeah. Uh so yes. Uh and last question that we have this week, Dave. Uh, it asked for speculation, which is a dangerous thing. We've we started oh. almost like a business based uh, podcast tonight. We've gone in the financials. We've gone, gone through the financials. We're talking yeah. about the uh, distribution deals, the the global yeah. localization, global, global economy, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and uh, 
So we go back to our bread and butter, uh, talking out of our ass. And so uh, Scott Rand, at Scott Rand Flyers, a new question, a new questioner, hopefully a new listener, or or maybe it's a long-time listener, first-time caller, uh, has asked speculation on who might be entered in World Tag League and Super Junior Tag League. Now, important to note before we answer this one, Dave, is that it's been announced that the World Tag League and the Super Junior Tag League are going to run concurrently, um, which is kind of similar to what they have done during the pandemic uh, run where they had World Tag League and the best of the Super Juniors run at the same time. This time they're going to run Tag League and Super Junior Tag League. So I hope people out there love their tag team wrestling because there's going to be a shit ton of it because I'm imagining uh, eight to ten match cards just all Tag League matches from juniors to, to heavies yeah um so who do we might think is going to be entered into this tournament do we uh speculate away um it'd be interesting it could it'd be, be. but dave we always have to remember as long time as long time new japan pro wrestling watches world tag league is almost always uh, below expectation. It very oh. rarely brings the actual tag. You get the random pairs. Yeah, yeah. But will when it be you, different this year? You, I think, well, you, uh, it'll be the reuniting of God, you would think, wouldn't it? God may return to New Japan Pro Wrestling. God may return to New Japan. Yeah. Uh, so let's put our fucking tinfoil hats on. Okay. For yeah. Does that mean we could potentially see Jay White and Hikaleo in <laughs> Tag League? Jesus. Jay, Chase, has he got extra dates he's missed on his well, deal? He, might, like he a... might want an extra belt. Yeah. <laughs> it's possible. Yeah. Jay, Jay wants to wrestle twice on the night. Be interesting. It's be interesting to see how it, how it plays out. Well, I mean, things like Juice Robinson, who's a, a former World Tag League champion, you know, tag league specialist kind of guy. His, who does he have a pairing? Does he like? Do they go that direction, okay, or do they so go? Let's start with let's start with Bullet Club. Yeah, I think we're gonna see ELP and Kenta. Yeah, I think that's those those two. I think that's a lock. That's my do feeling. You, do you think uh, the Dad Bods will be a team again? Yes, Fale and Fale and Chase will be in the heavy. Yeah, I think I think that's yeah. Yeah, don't think we're escaping um, that. Will the Good Brothers? I feel like it's very hard to think about this before Declaration of Power. I feel like Declaration of Power is going to be very uh, it's important. Probably going to tell us a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of movement's going to happen off the back of that show. But like, how many tag? How many teams are going to be in there? Like sixteen. Normally, it's like like twelve. Twelve is normally the number. So six, like well, twelve. I mean, look, tag team wrestling. I feel like. That's been one of the things that AEW has done particularly well is yeah. uh, build up the tag tag team wrestling. And I think yeah. that was as a response to New Japan's tag team booking, which is traditionally Gato has, I think <laughs> that's the last three minutes before Curtin, he thinks about tag uh, team wrestling. And probably a response to the mishandling of the tag division in the Fed as well with all the great tag teams that they had that they, you know, they turned into fucking shave my back jokes you know mm. um i mean i would love to see ftr come over but i don't know if they'll do tag league i think 
they could potentially, I mean, it, it all depends on Royal Quests, really, doesn't it? It does, doesn't it? Yeah. So Aussie Open, you would think, would be in there. Aussie Open are a lock for me, yeah. Do you think Okan and Cobb go as well? I do, yeah. Uh, so someone from TMDK? I think the actual TMDK, the original Shane Haste and Mikey Nichols, I think, reunite. Yeah. But I, would, I wouldn't say no to Jonah and... Um, Teats. Bad dude, Teats. Big Teats. <laughs> Big Teats and Jonah taking Ooh. over Tag League. That'd I would not fun. say no. That'd be fun. I mean, yeah. already in the teams that we've just listed then, there's some excitement excitement yeah. there. And you've got Dangerous Techers. Yep. Uh, potentially, I suppose, Sonata and Shingo or Sonata and Naito. Yep. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, oh, fuck, like how good would it be? If you could get Roosh and Andrade, oh yeah, yeah, they they would love it, but yeah, that ain't happening. <laughs> I don't think that's happening. Uh-huh. Unfortunately, I think that's that's the, the real forbidden door. Does AEW send anyone? If it's not FTR, do they send anyone else? That's a really good question. I really like that thing. If not FTR, would they send someone? You know, you know who I reckon they should send, given what's happened recently, and as a as a gesture of goodwill to the two guys left, I would send Brody King and Buddy Matthews. Yeah. Yeah. Like we're willing to do business, go do tag league, go to Japan, do a tour. Yeah, and that would that and would raise your stocks and come back and that's that's in, an interesting one. Picture. That's a really interesting one. Where it's like you can go away for a bit, and that can be the kind of the let us figure it out. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, go do tag league. Have yeah, send run. send Julia Hart with them. Yeah, you know? she can she can train in the yeah, Stardom she can Dojo do that and, and valet and yep. Yeah, I mean that would be a really good learning excursion for her. And they're not. Her. I mean, you know, they they've been presented as a trios for a while. Malachi ain't coming back anytime soon. No. So take them off air for a while, send them to Japan. They can have a run there and then you can bring them back as like a hot new tag team. I mean, that's, a, and that's kind of what I think new Japan has the, the capacity to do really is like how many, cause I don't know the answer to this question. is I don't know how many people in AEW have legitimate equity with domestic Japanese audience in terms of star power, in terms of the people yeah. that they would recognize and go, yep, that's the guy. And it's going to be different to who people would conventionally think are the ones who are over. Yeah. Well, I mean, Brody King's at least worked there. Yes. And it's done strong. So yeah. like we looked at when Tom Lawler was announced that people obviously watched I mean, strong. he's another guy, Tom Lawler and... Voice yeah, I think great. well, I think Royce Isaacs, <laughs> I think Royce Isaacs and Jarrell Nelson, who are West Coast Wrecking Crew, I think they'll come over. Yeah, cool. As their and we saw Royce Isaacs during the G one, and um, yeah, so he'll bring his regular tag partner, and they're they're a good solid, um, heavyweight tag team. Like, there's so many teams that they're actually. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they potentially they could get they could have a really strong tag. I mean, league. but you could do some interesting things if you wanted to, like. I would like to like maybe Alex Zane comes back with um Kashida because they they were a tag team or they worked together in 
WWE, like NXT. I mean, you could do, you could also do Ishimori and Ace Austin, or Ishimori, I think I think Austin and Bay could come. I think over. Austin and Bay that might be the story. Is Austin and Bay might come over, and that'd be cool. What what about the what about um? I just had it before. I was just thinking, um, Kashida and Shelley. The time you could yeah, go back yeah. to the well, time you would think that they would they would come over. Well, the trick that the the trick would be getting Alex Shelley for three or four weeks because the man is like that's he doesn't do that anymore. So that would yeah. be the the challenge, I think. If not Shelley, it'll be Kashida will be in there with someone. Unless yeah. Kashida does turns heel at for Declaration of Power. It all depends on Declaration of Power. Yeah. Yeah. I mean he yeah, it all hinges on one event. Yeah. Uh, look, I would love I would love to see Despy in there with um El Drinky as well. Yeah. I think they'll that, they'll be there for sure. Yeah. Put put the belts on those two, I reckon. Put all the belts on Despy. Just put everything. Everything, everything you got. <laughs> Whatever you want. <laughs> you carry everyone. Yeah, give him everything. Who, who says who says Despy's got no chance against Moxley? Put the AEW belt on Moxley. I think. Moxley's out of town. Yeah. Did Despy yeah. goes across? Despy says, goes I, across, becomes champ. Yeah. It's, I'm it, all for it. It's just it's perfectly written. It makes sense. Narratively consistent. I um yeah, I, I just I think ultimately um I think the cool thing about it is we're, we're like, I don't know, we're a month or, month or two away. Uh, you're two months away from World Tag League, but there's interest in it, which is very rare. Yeah. It's oh, very I'm, rare. I'm, I'm interested because there are there's potential, like if they can get a few teams over and like you don't have to do it from all from AEW. If you got one from AEW, that's all you'd need. It doesn't have to be FDR, no. I don't reckon. No, I think FTR. I think FTR would want to do it. It's just a I matter of would love to, yeah, because that would bring a lot of eyes. It would. It would. Yeah, and um, also I think it would. They want to. Here's the thing: they want to have a legacy and they want to prove themselves and that sort of stuff. Like tag leagues, one of those things. Now, granted, it's not the G one. It's not what it. But there aren't many leagues in the world. Tags. for tags yeah so they want to do something like the bucks and you know like they want to do something like you know that's that's those where those guys made their names you know winning junior tag leagues and so it's it's kind of the story is go over there and do that it's just whether our oh, big tk can take them off tv for a month i think you can i honestly I mean, don't have think... they been on in the last month no <laughs> but dax but not dax always gets a tap on the shoulder yeah. to get to go in and to wrestle a singles like he's good because like, I think the sneaky secret of Dax is that Tony loves having him because he's a tag wrestler. So he can beat him all the time and he doesn't lose any heat. Yeah. So he's and like, he good, always looks, he, he always, always looks good. Everyone look, looks great. Yeah. yeah. So it's a, he's a, he's a perfect Mr. Fix it. He's the ultimate utility player. So mm -hmm. to not have him on your roster when things can chicken at the fan could be, I I don't think you'll want to let him go. Yeah, but and I mean at the mo at the moment, are they? I mean, you look at what's going on in AEW in their tag division. Are they even in the conversation? No, for a title shot at the moment. No. So why not? They're number know? one contenders, but they're not <laughs> not getting yeah. a title shot. <laughs> um, so yeah, I I think it would be ideal, but I I don't if if not them, I think your idea of of the House of Black going across as the as the tag um would be a would be a would I think really work well in Japan too, you know. Yeah. Oh, Buddy Murphy over there is gonna get like yeah. 
they're going, they're going to think that Kenny Omega came back after a cycle. They're just going to be like, who is yeah, this yeah. guy? <laughs> who is who is Super Omega? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like um Uber Omega, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The alpha the true alpha omega, Buddy Matthews. <laughs> um but I do think um yeah, I think he's uh, I think that would be cool. But and again, as I said, it's not I'm interested to see who are the actual um, movers in terms of star power in Japan versus who we think are the actual stars. Because, you know, like you could go over and it could be a really important learning experience for a lot of AEW guys because you got to go over and get over. Yeah. Like like Willie Utah, for instance, when he came across, like he took, I think, in the Super Juniors, best Super Juniors, I think he took a lot of it for granted in terms of he had to work to get himself over again. It wasn't going to just get equity because he's an AEW guy. Meanwhile, yeah. Ace Austin and you know, Alex Zane were doing, were getting over Deluxe, you yeah. know, um, because and they were... almost feel like they dropped the ball there and it should have been Garcia. I think Garcia would have got himself over as a, as a like a, a particular at the time, yeah. as a, as a, <clears throat> a hard-hitting heel. I think Garcia agrees with you. <laughs> I've yeah, heard yeah. him on a podcast say as much. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but again, the, been me. But, yeah. but the issue was at the time was that he was involved in that storyline and they didn't want to let him go. So mm. I think it was between those two because they both of those guys had worked and continue to work strong. So um, that's the one thing that's fascinating about that New Japan Strong brand is that so many of those AEW guys just work dates there all the time. Mm. It's just, it's, I don't know what the deal is. I have no idea. It's just, there's just not enough. I mean, the way it's booked, there's not enough spots. Yeah. And not enough time to get reps in every week. You know, yeah, you got to get, you gotta get reps in. And yeah, so I think the benefit of a guy of like, especially if you like I, I like your shout, Dave. I, I think that's a really good insight because it's ultimately it's like um House of Black, if they're gonna re- return as a tag team, they need to develop their own chemistry together and they need to be able to build just yeah, their the two own of them. Away from Malachi, yeah. So so go away to tag league and figure it out. Yeah. You know, that would be a that would be a good shout. I, I'd like to see that. Um and if you, I mean, you could always send a super junior. I don't know. I don't know if, um, I don't know what the injury status is for um, Dante Martin's brother, but ideally that would be the type of yeah, team you would send yeah. is like that top flight, work. like a, like a young um, athletic team that could really benefit from experience. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you have those guys and give them a match with like Despy and El Drinky and yeah, lads these 15 minutes and you'll learn more in that 15 minutes than you want in yeah. three years you know yeah basically Especially here's how we put together dragging you around <laughs> dragging you around the ring yeah yeah and exactly right like you'll learn um that's that's how people learn like ultimately yeah. they've there's so many reps and it's just getting up and going again riding on the bus with the guys learn like those things are different. Like it's a tour, it's a different experience. And for these guys that have come through the AW system in particular, through the independence into AW, like AW doesn't have a developmental system. So it relies upon the schools that are out there. QT and... Marshall might beg to differ there, Josh. That's not a developmental system. So. <laughs> I mean, Tony Khan's on record saying we don't have developmental. Yeah. Uh, what a glowing fucking recommendation. Yeah, because I mean that's yeah. that's one school. That's a that's a school. And to be fair, the biggest names that have they've all come out of Creator Pro. So that's like that's yeah. a completely different school. So like <laughs> uh 
like yeah you kind of you kind of think well if they because of that they don't have a regular like they there's a lot of things that aw doesn't have that people have taken for granted for a long time and i think that there is an opportunity where i think tony has to probably look at it a little bit in the long play i think he's always yeah, focused I, on the next rating and not the long-term yeah. vision of how to develop the talent dude at this point dark is their developmental yeah yeah and that's like you're getting reps at a TV taping on one day a month. Yeah. Like it's old school with, WCW with approach. Talent that needs help as well, you know? Yeah. So yeah, <clears throat> send them. I mean, I think the strong model is sending people to strong, but nothing will beat. The one thing I've constantly said, and I've said it from the beginning is AEW was built on the backs of people that went through a particular route to success. Mm. And the, the system that they have built is antithetical to the route that they took. So yeah. it's the, it's, it's not going to be able to replicate the outcome. You're not going to be able to, the next Kenny Omega is not coming through AEW because they can't because they have to engage the way Kenny engaged. And they have to go through the processes that Kenny went through to get to that, to develop that worldly experience and understand all the nuances and differences and, and build that craft, that, um, stall. I mean, it's going to have to be something that they address at some point, really, isn't it? If you're wanting to, you, you can't just keep buying talent. If you want homegrown talent, you're going to have to grow the talent at home. Yep, and figure out a way that you can, you can. Those guys will be distinct. That's the fascinating part about it. They will be distinct. Those AW originals that are coming through that system and have grown up there will not be like the Bucks and they will not be like Kenny. They will not be like Mox. They will not be like any of the top guys. Man, we've been saying all along, AEW just needs to be New Japan. We said it from the get-go. <laughs> from the get-go. Like, like they, just need, do what they works. need a young lion system. Just do the thing that fucking works. Yeah. 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 But but then they're, they're and they'll go their own way with it, and that's fine. But I just think that if the 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 great contrast of that system is that the top athletes in that system the that the the stars that are going to make you and going to build the the brand and the identity were crafted a particular way that you are not replicating so that therefore mm. the next generation of stars are going to be different than the current generation of stars and that can be great yeah. but it could also be destabilizing because it can be like wow it's a big step in that direction so i think that giving guys the opportunity to follow and you hear Mox says it. I mean, Mox has said it constantly. Like he's been advocating for AW talent to go on tours to Japan from the beginning, from the time yeah, he signed yeah. there. Of like, send them. Like you have to send them. You have to give them opportunities. And and reps. Jericho is the same. He's like, you have to go. And because it's like, well, how do you have a career like Jericho? Well, you have to follow some of the models that Jericho did. Like, how many of the guys in AW have worked in Mexico and Japan and have worked in locker rooms with different people and different like familiarity breeds contempt yeah and i mean i think that's part of the reason why you looked a bit like a fish out of water you know yeah and but by the end of the tour he's starting to get it yeah you know by that despy match he was like okay i'm starting to feel it. and then despy started to help him which was even this is beautifully lovely it was like yeah. come on son you need to do this you need to get more presence you need to do like because it was clear that it was like oh this guy's not used to this type of thing and that's to be expected 
you know? And I bet you yeah. if he looked at it now, he'd go, man, I'd do it so differently. I'd do this, I'd do that. And probably thinking, shit, I'd like another chance, you know? Mm. And that's what you want, ideally. Um, I mean, that's it. That's just something they could do too for uh, uh, junior uh, junior tag. Yeah, their story being told about Garcia, Garcia. being accepted into that thing. I mean, you could send Uter and Garcia over as a Jesus tag. Christ, sign me up if they did that. Holy yeah. shit! Because you could have kind of like inner turmoil, inner, inner turmoil while they're both dissension during the tournament. Yeah, they keep losing. That could, be, that could be super interesting. Yeah. Yeah, and then they get a signature win, and they right at the end, and yeah, they come home holding hands. Yeah, that'd be nice. But I think that that's the sort of storytelling that I think they that AW should lean more into is your guys are wrestling all over the world. They're starting to do a little bit with the pack stuff and the All Atlantic title. Yeah, just recognize when the guys are are away doing that stuff because that's a really big thing. Like it's a big thing to be in those tournaments, and when you hear guys talk about it, they're like Regal's like, oh. He always brings up, oh, Yuta's over in Japan doing this thing. It's like it's a really prestigious tournament or Lance Archer's in the G1. But if you just, if they just disappear, if they go poochie, it doesn't, it doesn't really benefit anyone other than the guy themselves, you know? Mm. So I just think, I hope for World Tag League and Super Junior Tag League, we get a diverse array of talent from all over the world. I want strong representation. I, an AEW representative would be nice. And I'm, I'm yeah. never against, New Japan doing what New Japan has done for years and years and finding someone random from somewhere and just yeah. being like, who are these people? Because that, oh, that's happened forever. I've got another tag team that I'd like to see in the tag yes. league. Suzuki and Archer. Oh, that'd be nice. That'd be fun. Yep. Imagine it'd be Suzuki doing a tournament though. <laughs> Suzuki could be, be Suzuki could be the hot tag. Oh, hot yeah, tag, yeah. Suzuki. Archer is the worker. Yeah, that'd be that'd be Suzuki a nice touch. The hot tag. Yeah, that'd be nice. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that'd be cool. I, I don't think Lance would say no. No, I don't think so either. I mean, it, he'd be happy to work to work <laughs> yeah. together. We haven't seen just... him since. Well, I haven't back, seen him. Came back from the G one. Hasn't been on TV since. Well, he said he he loves Japan and it's his home. We'll send him back for the tag league. Yeah. What do you mean, Suzuki's? Yeah, that'd be great. Just to see Suzuki get a uh, bit of an extended run. That'd be nice. Yeah, yeah I, I, that's 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 the type of team we always used to get. They're the, they're the matchups I love about World Tag League. Just some random pair of a of a faction. Yeah. And then you find out, oh, they got great chemistry together. Like, wow. Well, I mean, you know? I mean, they would have great chemistry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. And they love they love Archer over there. Oh, don't they? What? Um, yeah. I mean, I think he loves it because it's like they just like big boys doing big boy shit. Yeah, you know, and he can just do a couple of big boy shit. He knows how to get over there too. Like, and I think he's super, super underrated as a worker, isn't he? Really, for sure. Like super under because he's so big. Yeah, and but he does big guy stuff really really well and i think he's probably a little under appreciated and under uh underrated in aew i think so i think especially when they like when they sign a guy like morrissey or whatever that w morrissey like the big cast guy yeah yeah it's like it's like if you're if you're at home and you're arch you're like oh (laughs) it's like 
Like he might be taller than me, but I'm a but I'm a better version of that. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, yeah, like yeah, because you picture G1 Cass, because that's <laughs> you know what I mean. Like that's the thing. Like that's the point. <laughs> Imagine, oh mate, if they saw an Enzo, send over, send over Cass and Enzo. <laughs> yeah, to, yeah, just give him Enzo. Put him in, Dave. That would be awesome. First match, put him in with God. And they just get they get <laughs> yes. the punishment, the receipt yes. from the Ring of Honor show. Yes. Absolutely. Oh my god. Yep. Uh, they get blooded in to, to tag league. <laughs> uh, oh yeah. So there you go. There you go, Scott. That that was our we gave you four hundred and twelve teams. I yeah. I don't know how many of them we, are gonna attend. Booked the whole fucking thing, really. 